Will Starfield come to the PS5? Well, recently, a lot of insiders indicated that some Xbox first-party games would be making their way to both PlayStation and Nintendo. This, of course, led to a lot of speculation, but also corroboration. Two different insiders said that they heard Sea of Thieves would be coming, and others said Hi-Fi Rush. But one source claimed very strongly that Starfield was coming. Now, I have since had two different sources claim that Starfield is coming to PlayStation. These sources do not know each other, and they are, as other sources, corroborating the fact that this is happening. Now, in addition to all of this, we have new info on the upcoming patch for Starfield, and I have my own theories about why they will be updating Starfield every six weeks this year. And they seem to be starting that process with a very big patch to kick things off. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video. It's a longer video because it's a live stream, but I open up the show with a monologue with all the information, all the research that I did, and if you like this kind of content, make sure that you hit subscribe and that like button and bell button so you don't miss out on my content. So, will Xbox bring Starfield to PlayStation? Could it be one of the first-party games that insiders claim will be coming to both Nintendo and the PlayStation platform? Well, one source claimed that it would be coming, and now other sources have claimed this privately. There is also the incoming patch for Starfield that is boasting of over 100 improvements for the game. So first I want to talk about what happened. The initial insiders caused quite a stir with claims about Sea of Thieves and Hi-Fi Rush, but now we are hearing more about Starfield, which would be, in many minds, a more significant move than Hi-Fi Rush or Sea of Thieves. Now second, I want to look at the reaction. I asked a simple question on Twitter, and I got over 200 responses. Just, hey, do you think, in light of the rumors, that this is actually going to come to PlayStation? So there are a lot of strong opinions on this subject. Lastly, I will give you my thoughts. I have my own theory about what is going on, and some of it does concern a video that I did in early 2023 about this being a possibility, but also about what Bethesda is doing this year with the updates as well as the DLC. So first, what is happening? Well, in case you miss it, a rumor that was quickly dismissed by many cropped up on the weekend of January the 6th. Many saw it as nothing more than someone seeking attention. Some even referred to it as copium. Well, in just a matter of days after, many said that this would never happen, it became a very different story. Insiders like Jeff Grubb and Steven Totillo corroborated claims that they had heard Sea of Thieves would be coming to PlayStation. Others said that they had heard Hi-Fi Rush would be coming to PS5 and a Nintendo Switch version had been shelved. Then there was an Australian games rating site that had what looked like a new Doom game rated as well as many others coming to platforms that were not Xbox. And now it has been communicated to me that two different sources who do not know each other both have claimed they have solid info that a version of Starfield is in fact coming to PS5. Then, according to Windows Central, quote, the next Starfield update will have over 100 improvements and fixes for Xbox and PC players. Now, all of this happened in just the first two weeks of 2024. And I find all the info and the claims to be compelling because when this many people make the claims and a lot of them are reliable insiders, it makes me think that something is happening and potentially happening soon. At the very least, some type of announcement could be on the way. Or is this all related to the planning for 2024 and the incoming patch as well as the updates to Starfield every six weeks? When some of the commentators, press outlets, and YouTubers went from dismissing this as nothing to quickly flipping and they said even their own sources told them that games are already ported and ready to come to PlayStation, well, this is not really a matter of if this happens, but when it happens. So what has the reaction
question been? Well, I have to say, I'm shocked to see folks so strongly make claims given how this story has evolved. Immediately dismissed, called copium, and then within a day, everyone's like, oh yeah, this is actually happening. My sources are telling me it's happening. But here we are, people are still very confident that something like this will never happen. So the first and the very common response that I'm seeing is basically, no way, this is never happening. Now, given the rate at which people said this isn't happening and then know what actually is happening, I'm not really sure where this confidence is coming from. It took two weeks in 2024 for many to realize that big changes are coming to the Xbox brand. The same thing happened when the Xbox CFO told a Wells Fargo summit that first-party games would be coming to PlayStation and Nintendo. People dismissed it. They said it was just about the Activision games. And all it took was Phil Spencer to do an interview where he said they had no plans to bring Game Pass to PlayStation and Nintendo for everyone to think that the CFO's statements weren't accurate, as if the CEO of Xbox would actually publicly refute things the CFO told investors or would-be investors. So, the confidence here feels unwarranted. Phil told Famitsu that PlayStation and Nintendo are now considered part of the Xbox community, and the CFO said a change in strategy would be coming, evidenced by first-party games landing on platforms previously considered competitors. So, I'm not even saying they're wrong, it's just that the confidence I find it strange. We went from, this is just a rumor, this is copium, to, yes, my sources have also confirmed that first-party titles are coming to PlayStation and Nintendo. So, save those receipts. This story is ongoing and developing faster than many expected. Now, the next response I'm seeing is sort of expected. People are saying, we don't want it. We don't want that game on PlayStation. Now, while some of this is obviously motivated by console tribalism, I genuinely think there are folks that are uninterested in this game after the game's reception and the review score on both Steam and Xbox. PlayStation fans have shown great support commercially for Fallout 4 in the past, so Starfield's launch sales on PS5 would have likely been very strong. But I have seen a consistent trend with Bethesda fans that just feel the game did not deliver or really innovate enough. Many have agreed with me that the game is basically Fallout 5 in space, which for many is great, and they love it, and that's fine. But a lot of Bethesda fans walked away from this game pretty dissatisfied. Another piece of feedback that I was seeing was landing in two different ways, but they were both pointing to sort of the same thing. People were saying, well, the game sold really well on Steam. Now, this has been coupled with claims that the game has a, or had a $200 million budget, and some are calculating that the game made around $235 million on Steam so far. Now, some point to this claim that the game just doesn't need to come to PlayStation because it sold so well on Steam. While others see it differently, they think the game selling well on Steam is grounds to sell it elsewhere. Many have pointed to how much Starfield has been talked about. It's one of the most talked about games in games journalism. Even if you didn't enjoy the game, you cannot deny the almost star quality that the game has. We have to remember, John Q. Public is not as tuned into gaming as we are. People I know in my non-gaming circles have heard of Starfield. Now, I have said similar things about why PlayStation will not be focusing on distinguishing between first and third-party games because the general gaming public doesn't know or care about that. Now, this could be true as well if Starfield landed on PS5. Many would buy it simply because they had heard of it, and the trailers and the gameplay footage are very convincing. Now, others have pointed to the budget of the game being at $200 million and the sales on Steam being motivation to sell it elsewhere because they want the profit margin to be higher, and PlayStation customers have shown to buy Bethesda games in high numbers in the past. Now, another response to all of this that I found to be quite strange was, well, when are PS5 games going to come to Xbox? 
I even saw some people claiming that like games like Returnal would be better if they landed on Xbox. I don't agree with this at all, and I would love for more people to experience Returnal, but I don't agree purely from a business standpoint. PlayStation has no reason to port games to a much smaller console footprint, and also to have to downgrade any PS5 game they port to get it to run on the Series S. The sales numbers for Xbox consoles continue to slow and fall behind PlayStation, so I don't think people realize the scope of the situation. PlayStation's selling 3 to 1 consoles versus Xbox is a huge Huge motivation for Xbox to sell games on PlayStation, but not the other way around. Same with the Nintendo Switch. When you have so many pieces of hardware in the market, it's compelling for companies to launch their game on your platform. Just look at how many games came late to the Nintendo Switch that we thought never would be possible, either leveraging the cloud or working really hard to get it optimized. If you have a large hardware footprint, game companies want their games on your platform, and Xbox now owns a ton of game property, so they're looking at the two hardware leaders in the console space and saying we should be putting our games there playstation and nintendo i do not think are going to turn around and say that about xbox because their hardware footprint is small and the two-tiered system requires any ps5 only title to go through a graphical degradation and a fine tuning to get it to run on that system that's an awful lot of work that would likely not see a whole lot of roi now i've also seen a response that basically claims well this is where the industry's going consoles and console sales don't matter now i I find this claim to be completely baffling. Both Nintendo and PlayStation aren't showing any signs of slowing down, and the Switch 2 will likely sell incredibly well, and the PS5 seems to be speeding up. I saw an excellent response from E4 Extreme on Twitter, and I could not agree with this more, so I wanted to read it in its entirety. He said, quote, Stop acting like the industry is going to follow last place. Switch and PS5 have sold and are selling like gangbusters. The only one whose hardware sales are abysmal is Xbox. They do not define what the destination of gaming is. They get to define what last place is. Now, It is worded rather harshly, but I have to say it's spot on. Xbox is pivoting away from a fight that they lost, and they're becoming more of a publisher than a platform. That's not because hardware isn't the future, it's because they lost the hardware fight. They want to maximize their profits and their ROI on all the acquisitions that they have made. It just simply doesn't make business sense to spend the amount of money that they have and restrict their games to only being on their console and PC. As the CFO said, the high margin markets of Nintendo and PlayStation and even mobile is where Xbox is setting their sights. Now, another piece of pushback that I saw was basically the following. Well, Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves, well, that's one thing, right? Those aren't very big titles, but Starfield is too big. It's a tentpole title. Now, I don't disagree with this on the surface. Starfield coming to PS5 would sort of be the end of this debate. It would basically mean anything and everything is fair game, except for maybe Halo. But even Halo was considered according to one insider. Again, I can't help but notice, all this came out in roughly the same time span. It lends credence to it being real. This many different sources and this many different insiders, they're not all just throwing out rumors and lies they have clearly heard things the last response worthy of mention was one that I said jokingly but I'm seeing it said more and more people are sort of saying look looks like case by case basis after all now this is obviously referring back to what Xbox told the regulators about the Zenimax acquisition that they would handle the games on a case by case basis well another great reply that I thought was insightful into this was from a user named David on Twitter he said Microsoft went from creating their own dedicated store to sell games on PC to releasing every game on a competitor platform there. 
What's so unthinkable about them doing that in consoles, what they've already done on PC? I think that's a very reasonable take, if I'm honest. They, they Look, they tried the closed approach system first, and then they conclude that putting their games on another platform made more sense. As the CFO said, you're going to see a change in strategy. So what are my thoughts? What's my theory on what's going on here? Okay, Back in early 2023, I did a video speculating that Xbox had left the door open on Starfield, consistently using language like launches exclusively or officially on the Bethesda website it says arrives exclusively almost as if that was sort of the PR marching orders consistently use that f- phrase right it's launching or arriving exclusively the only other time I find that sort of phrase used was with examples like Ghostwire Tokyo on their official Twitter account saying that it is going to launch exclusively on PS5 well that's a timed exclusive that language is language we find on timed exclusive games it also wasn't hard to imagine Bethesda having a lot of work done already for the PS5 since they were allegedly in talks with PlayStation about an exclusivity contract for Starfield. So my current theory is this. Remember No Man's Sky and how they quickly had Hello Games updating the game. They were adding things at a speed that seemed almost unnatural. They were updating that game very quickly. Well, a lot of that was things they had already planned on doing They'd already had them built or scoped out. They did lose some things in a flood. Now, I believe Starfield is going to get similar treatment. The updates every six weeks this year, much of that is likely related to what I think is a better build of Starfield. The speed at which they update this game this year could prove my theory correct. Rarely do games get the size of sizable updates in every six weeks, right? They're not People are not updating their games roughly every six weeks unless they're a live service game. Even most games don't do multiple times a year for that matter, maybe a couple. All of this is being done, I think, to prepare the way for the DLC. Shattered Space will likely land late this year and be a centerpiece of the Xbox Summer Showcase. My theory is that this is meant to be Starfield's turning point, and it could be related to the game coming to PS5. Just Google the game, and you will quickly see what the public thinks of it. A 63% on Steam overall, and in the last 30 days, it has an abysmally low score on Steam, a 29%. Google users rank it at a 69, and the home turf Xbox user base gave it a 3.5 out of 5. That's a 70%. That's not a particularly strong score for a tentpole title. I often talk about John Q. Public, the general gaming public, and how they don't care about what we care about. But scores like that will certainly put a damper on the public perception and the reception of the game. You can parade a Metacritic score around of, oh look, it's an 83. That really only represents what less than 100 total people thought about the game. Anyone in marketing knows that this game needs a comeback story, especially if they plan to bring it to PlayStation. The biggest question is when and how and the optics. Will PlayStation want this to be a part of their marketing? The game, as I said, has almost a star power quality to it, but even celebrities can fall down a bit and become radioactive for marketing efforts. It's also an Xbox title, and that may make it radioactive to PlayStation's efforts. What about Xbox? How will they handle an announcement like this? Would be, I think, almost tectonic as Halo coming to PlayStation, since in many minds Starfield has become a flagship of the Xbox brand. I'm honestly not sure, but if the plan that the CFO outlined to investors starts to make landfall, I would think ripping the band-aid off quickly would make the most sense. You get a big title like Starfield out of the way. 
and then there's no question about what's happening. Smaller titles like Hi-Fi Rush or an older title like Sea of Thieves, while many are shrugging that off as no big deal, even though they were quick to dismiss it and say that it would never happen. So it goes from being a copium pipe dream to a reality in just 24 hours. I'm curious what the reaction will be when other titles make the jump, especially one as big as Starfield. And the silence from Phil Spencer and Xbox is somewhat telling, in my opinion. 18 hours after the CFO story broke, Phil Spencer masterfully made sure that the new headlines were no plans to bring Game Pass to PlayStation and Nintendo, completely dodging the question about first-party titles. They also are completely dodging the question about Blade. And now, we have insiders, sources, pointing to one of Xbox's biggest launches, saying it's going to make the jump, and Xbox and Phil haven't said a word. So from where I sit, this is only a matter of when, not if. But that's just what I think. What do you think? So let me give you, oh golly, my thoughts and my conclusions on this. Yeah, this is no doubt going to be cast and clipped and labeled and attacked as port begging. Yes, I need to beg for a game that I own on Steam and my Series X. I bought the game twice. I have the watch. It's around here somewhere. I'm I'm port begging for that game. What a dizzying display of logical thought. The port-begging narrative just feels like projection and self-reporting. Nobody is begging for these games to come to PlayStation and Nintendo. I'm merely reporting on what we have heard, and I'm theorizing about what might be happening. The second thing I want to say is, I feel like every time we cover Xbox, I end up saying this, but the evolution of the brand and the platform is happening faster and faster. It almost feels like a train that is picking up speed. What I thought would take 10 years or more seems to be just around the corner. I figured they would buy Activision Blizzard and slowly shift and change over time, but investors and high-level executives are not exactly known for their patience. My conclusion is this. While some might see this as a tragedy, right? Starfield coming to PlayStation to them is almost a nightmare. I can see the upside. It puts Bethesda in a position to justify lots of work, patches, and improvements on a game that I think has massive potential. Now, that's a tough sell for a non-live service game, to pour hours and resources into a game that has already hit its sales peak. But... If they're motivated to do this because they're going to bring the game to another platform, then I think everybody benefits from that. Folks who own and love Starfield get a better game over time, along with new content, and then Bethesda fans on PlayStation can finally buy the game, and it'll be in a much better state than it was at launch. But those are just my thoughts. Now it's time to hear your thoughts. And that's the show open, guys. We Again, we have heard from more people that this is happening, and it, I, I, genu- I genuinely think this is all coming out at the exact same time. Sources, insiders, rumors, uh, it, it's all coming out close in conjunction because somewhere somebody sprang a leak and it's it's sort of getting out and making you know landfall in different ways in different places. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening i appreciate you guys so so much it looks like you guys are already trying to uh to get Derek back into the member fold let me kind of check the fan funding page here and ragnarok thank you so much for jumping back in as a member but han shot first and so did you john always gifts a single member and then we also have one coming in gifted from the daily grind the daily grind recently got somebody that gifted a membership to them paying it forward now and then the joker quinn gifts a member and that takes us to three members already on the day if you guys missed community game night on friday you missed a blast we had so much fun we were laughing we were hanging out just 
just basically talking and chilling for about an hour and a half. It was hilarious. And then we played some Fall Guys private matches, and that was open to every single member, okay? When we hit those goals, gifted members, you guys get to get a sampling. Like, the last Friday of every month is Community Game Night, but this month you got an extra one. And thank you, Joker Quinn, for gifting, and it went to Derek. Good work. Doe Devas with 25 months. Thank you so much, Doe Devas, for 25 months of memberships. Uh, Orc Lord says, I only own an Xbox, and I would love it if all the games I play go cross. It would be better console wars if I could play against others in Gears of War on PlayStation. Dodevas decides to up the ante a bit, and he drops a five bomb on the goal. Every 25, I give five back. All gifted members can get into our Discord, see if you like the community, see if you like our vibe. You can come to community game nights. There's a daily Q&A session. If you decide that you like the content and you like what's going on here, somebody's kind of paying for you to sample it, well, then you can bump up to a membership. It's a dollar more. It's six bucks a month for a standard membership here, and that gets you into everything that we do. And we appreciate you so, so much for doing that. We appreciate you guys being here. Make sure you're going through the rituals and smashing the like button. Imagine if the main reason they are doing all these updates is because they are getting Starfield ready for PS5. Dave, that's what I'm talking about, right? I couldn't help but think of No Man's Sky. Odin's Arrow with 8 months and it's a VIP. What could possibly be the downside to Xbox porting their games over? 28 months from Rissick at a VIP gold. A great 28 months. Let's keep going. Don't forget to join the Discord on Saturday for Hangouts. That's right. The community also does a community hangout on Saturdays. That's a great opportunity for you to get to know the community. If Again... We want to give you the opportunity to kind of sample it, right? Sometimes, like, becoming a member and joining a Discord feels like, well, I don't know you guys. Well, we're gifting members, and then you get to come in and just hang out and see if you like the vibe. Sneaky Wolf's going to throw another one and take us to nine members already on the day. Dave, I could not help but think of Hello Games. I was typing up the finishing touches of the monologue this morning, and it kind of dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. The average game doesn't do an update every six weeks. The average game doesn't allocate that kind of bandwidth unless it's a live service game or some kind of ongoing game, okay? I looked at Hello Games and what they did with No Man's Sky, and the speed with which they were able to update that game was because they had a lot of things already scoped out, planned out, and built. What if there is a version of Starfield we were meant to get, and we're going to get it over time, right? Lono, the back-to-back Fall Guys champion. That's right, I did get a back-to-back. That was so fun. I really had a blast with you guys. We had a good time. Raymond, thank you so much for jumping back in at a gifted. Raymond, if you're paying for your own membership, we are now separating. It's 5, 6, and 10, and the standard membership is 6, so you want to make sure and bump up to that. The $5 is intended for the gifted tier, so folks can sample the content and get into the Discord and see you know, if they want to jump in full swing. Donald says, you should have seen the show uh, Games on Daily Seeds was on there, and he brought up No Man's Sky when saying we should expect more from Starfield, and one of the guys lost his mind. Well, I'm not citing Starfield to say, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not citing No Man's Sky to say that Starfield should be more like No Man's Sky. I'm citing it to say, Hello Games had a bunch of stuff already locked and ready to go. And they were able to update the game very quickly. Within 18 months, No Man's Sky was a completely different game. And I'm telling you, what if there's a version of Starfield we were intended to get and they couldn't get it out on time? Again, track with the theory. According to Phil Spencer, they basically flooded Bethesda with engineers to help with getting Starfield on their technology. What else could he be talking about other than the Series S? I think 
they flooded the studio with engineers to assist with getting the game optimized to run on Series S. It's why, if you watch the Digital Foundry breakdown of Starfield, it's why there's virtually no difference between the Series X and the Series S version. Why? Because the base game, they had to bring so much of it down and rein so much of it in. And it's my theory that that is why the game is in the state that it's in. I believe that's what pushed the game back. I believe that's why the game ended up the way that it did. I think there's a better version of this game. And I think they've already got a lot of it ready to go. That's why you're going to get an update every six weeks. They're going to slowly basically put things back in that they probably had to take out and shelve or not even focus on because it was like, we can't do that right now. We've got to get this game ready to ship. I disagree that Starfield will ever be on PlayStation, but I respect your enthusiasm. Have a great show. I appreciate that, Web Dave. I mean, when I did my video back early 2023, everyone's like, just buy an Xbox. I'm like, I have an Xbox. I had the collector's edition pre-ordered. This is not about like, oh, I want Starfield to come to another plastic box. It's literally like I'm looking at, they consistently said launches exclusively, arrives exclusively. The, the The only games I can find that use that phrase are timed exclusives. So, like, one of the biggest games coming to Xbox, why are they using time-exclusive language? Arrives exclusively and launches exclusively. I found a tweet that used that exact same phrasing from none other than Ghostwire Tokyo. Gee, I wonder who approved the marketing for Ghostwire. I wonder who approved the messaging to make sure and say, launches exclusively on PS5. Why would they say that? Because it was a time-exclusive. And if your PR department likes that phrase and they like to keep things open... They greenlit the same phrase for Starfield. I think that's just a fair observation to make. That doesn't mean I'm like, it, oh, it's coming. I better get it or I want it. It's like, no, I'm just making an observation. It seems like they left the door open. No Man's Sky was considered a flop at launch, but they made a comeback on it. Right, and the, the, I think the thing I'm really trying to drive home, Severin, is that No Man's Sky was able to turn things around in part because they were able to put things back in the game so quickly like so quickly it it seemed almost unreal and the reason it seemed almost unreal is much of what they put back in the game was already in process they were already building it or they already had it scoped out i think starfield's going to go through a similar transformation this year what why are you updating the game every six weeks that that sounds like a live service game well i'll tell you why I think they had a lot of things that they wanted to do that they're going to be able to put back into the game this year now that the game has shipped, now that they they got the game running on Series S. That's been my theory all along. Why else would you go to a long-standing successful studio and say, we're going to bring our engineers along to help you get your game, you know, get your game on our technology. The only other time we know of that Xbox was like, hey, we're going to send some engineers to help was with Baldur's Gate 3, and we know what that was for, right? They couldn't get split screen to work on the Series S. So in my mind, well, that's a pattern then. If Xbox sends engineers, it's because they're trying to help you get the game to run on the Series S. Kratos was six months in a VIP. I'm glad I caught a stream. It's been a minute. Good to see you, Kratos. Basically lost everything. Yes, they had a flood. But think about it, Nick. Have you ever had, um, have you ever lost something that you were building, making, whatever, and then the second time around, you're able to do it a little bit quicker and you still get to do all the things that you kind of wanted to do? 
I, I, people have this experience with with projects, right? You lose a bunch of stuff. Well, you're able to kind of get back to where you were quicker than it originally took you because you've already done some of the work. You've already scoped some of it out. And you know, you're like, oh yeah, we were going to do this and this and this and this. Not to mention, there could be elements of gameplay. There could be mechanics. There could be things that they wanted to do. That they just had to shove off to the side. They're like, we don't have time for that right now. We got to get this game out the door. For goodness sakes, the game basically got delayed how many times? It went from being in ink to November to first half of 2023 to September of 2023. That that's that's multiple pushbacks. And I think when you look at it in that way, it's like, well, they were clearly having an issue with something. I don't think the issue was Bethesda doesn't know what they're doing. It's more likely that they were having trouble getting a game of this size and scope to run well on the Series S. It's why you only play when you play this game on a Series X, there's very little difference between the Series X and the Series S. And a lot of people thought that was like a dunk. They're like, yep, you said it was going to run bad on the Series S. And I'm like, yeah, and what did we get? We basically got a Series S version of the game for both platforms. What do you What do you mean? Of course it runs fine on the S. That's basically the only version that you get on console now. Now imagine that they've done that, being able to go back and add to the game. Now I'm not sure how they're going to do that if there's problems with parity, I don't know if there's features and ideas that they had that maybe they just can't get going on the S because there's a lot of things that the memory bottleneck would affect. Butter says, there's a huge difference. Bethesda has never ever done updates and changes to the base game ever. This would be a historical first, which I doubt. You, you think that they're going to update the game every six weeks, Butters, and it's just going to be patches and quality of life. You don't think they're going to do any like hey, we added this new feature, or uh, I don't know. I mean, they could completely overhaul certain features so it feels like they're adding features, like if they completely overhaul the UI or something like that. Big Steve says, with the rate that games come out, if you don't have a strong launch, then even if Starfield gets a significant update, it might not bring people back. People move on quite fast. Well, here's the reality, though. I don't necessarily think that they're looking to bring people back. I think they're looking to ramp up to the DLC. That's what I think the plan is. I think primarily those updates every six weeks are because of the DLC. They want to get the game ready for that. This guy says, please stop with this port begging. I don't have to port beg for a game that I own on two systems, homie. I own Starfield on Steam and my Series X. I'm, I'm not port begging. I. It doesn't matter when I owe it to me if this game comes to the Switch or the PS5 or any of that. What matters to me is if that's why they're updating the game. If they're twofold updating it, if they're like, we need to do updates every six weeks because of the DLC, but also if we want this game to sell well and we want to put it on PS5, because if you go back and look at the sales of Fallout 4, it crushed on the PlayStation platform. It stands to reason there's a lot of Bethesda fans on PlayStation, and they would buy a game that's having its sort of 2.0 moment. It's it's resurgence, it's whatever, you know, a lead up to the DLC. Imagine this year. Look look at how Starfield was talked about and covered last year. One of the most talked about games of 2023. It could do that again this year. It has a an almost star quality about it. It's always in the headlines. Everybody's always talking about the good, the bad, and the in-between on Starfield. If they spend this entire year every month and a half making headlines because of patches, updates, and fixes, 
That's a great runway to make sure nobody forgets about Starfield. And then they hit the middle of the year. They start talking about Shattered Space, get everybody excited about this DLC. And that could be a turning point for the game that would make a launch on another platform feel pretty momentous. Like, wait, man, a lot of games have turned it around. Cyberpunk went from being decried as one of the worst launches ever, and they won an award last year for Phantom Liberty. Todd's a great salesman. That's what I'm saying. I think he doesn't say only AA games like Sea of Thieves and other games going to PlayStation, not AAA. Uh, multiple sources are, are, are confirming that there are plans not just for Starfield, but beyond. Two different sources have, have related to me that Starfield is in fact coming to PS5. And before that, there was one of the sources on the one forum that said, oh no, yeah, Starfield's coming. It's, it's basically already confirmed. Now again, these people could all have really bad intel, or they could all be lying. They could be just making stuff up. But I just want you to track with what has happened. We went from people saying, this is a copium pipe dream. There are no first party games coming to PlayStation. And within 24 hours, they all had to change their tune. They're like, literally eating humble pie like yeah i talked to some of my sources this is happening but but then it's quickly turned into but but just small games just 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 small games like hi-fi rush and see if these let me ask you a question i want you to think like a businessman if you think it's worth your time to bring first party property to the competitor are you only going to do that with small games You're only going to do that with small titles. If you're a businessman, if you're an executive, if you're a shareholder, if you're a C-suite level employee, is that all you care about? Yeah, let's just make a little more money. Let's just take the little titles. We don't want to upset anybody. They're already upset. The, the, the people that are like hyper loyal to Xbox are already irritated about this. Hi-Fi Rush, are you kidding me? That's that's a that's a great title for us. Okay, well, think like a businessman. If you're willing to start moving first-party property to other platforms, as the CFO has indicated, are you only going to do that with your small pieces of property? That's it. You're not going to take your bigger pieces of property, your pieces of property that everybody talked about last year. You're not going to take Starfield? I'm telling you, think like a businessman. You're all, At that point, you'd be like, why would we even bother doing this? The, just the small titles? Like, come on. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. It makes sense to just be like, no, do all of it. Do all of it. We can retain our value by always getting to say, you can play these games day and date on Game Pass and then just make money on the other platforms. How is that not a great play? You always get to say, play it day one on Game Pass. Play it day one on Game Pass, and then people that aren't on Game Pass, well, they're welcome to they're welcome to buy the game. Rumors say Gears Collection coming to PS5. Like I said, this isn't port begging. This isn't console wars. This is think like a businessman think like a business minded person 
If you're going to pull the trigger on first-party property moving into high-margin markets, as the CFO indicated, are you only going to use small titles? Do you honestly think Xbox cares about, like, upsetting a couple of podcasts and YouTube channels? Did you think in the grand scheme of their strategy, they're like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) They're going to get really mad on YouTube and Twitter. YouTube and Twitter is a drop in the bucket compared to the gaming populace. It's why I've consistently said PlayStation's not going to talk about the difference between first party, second party, third party, your party, my party, everyone's party. They're not going to talk about any of that. Do you want to know why? They don't need to. The general public doesn't have a clue about any of that stuff. Do you think the general public gives a single ounce of care about where Starfield ends up? Do you think they care? You think the 50 million some odd people that have a PlayStation 5 right now and they're a Bethesda fan and they 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 loved Fallout. Do you think those people care? Do you think they're like, no, we don't want that Xbox slop over here? No, they don't think that way. We, I've, I've been trying to communicate this all last year and this year. You guys have got to understand we are the minority. We are not the barometer on what the general gaming public thinks about things. Do you want to know how that's easily displayed? Look at the Metacritic score of Starfield, and then look at its score on Xbox and Steam. The general gaming public thinks very differently than we do. Now, that will have an effect on Starfield coming to another platform, because the public hasn't scored it very favorably at all, and word of mouth is pretty powerful. Your buddy's talking about how he didn't think Starfield was that great, and maybe you go check it out and you see that low score. You're, you're, you're going to think twice about buying it on your PS5. But if the game gets updated every six weeks, and they start really polishing this thing up, and they really tap into its potential, and they release a DLC, and it has what feels like a turnaround moment, well, that lines up really well with sort of having almost like a second launch, doesn't it? That's a No Man's Sky. That's a cyberpunk. That's a turnaround story. Raptor with 10 months and a VIP. I will never understand being mad about a game going to another platform and labeling it as port begging. Hope you and the fam are doing well. Appreciate that. I had the same energy when people were angry about Xbox games. I'm sorry. When people were angry about PlayStation games coming to PC or when people celebrated. There were PlayStation fans that celebrated The Last of Us Part 1 port being bad on PC. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Why would you celebrate that? Jez Corden specifically asked Xbox uh, PR about this and they said they're not porting Xbox AAA games to PlayStation. This was on a podcast with Destin. Listen, I'm telling you, until Xbox specifically says something, if it's not in print, everybody's playing the same game right now. He was one of the first people to dismiss this as copium. This is not happening. First party titles are not coming. Called it copium. 24 hours later, oh no, yeah, this is happening. So forgive me if I'm a little skeptical about folks who clearly are like, nope, no, 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 this isn't happening. And they're like, well, it is, but, 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 but it's only going to be small titles. I'm not taking to that to the bank and trying to cash that check. Sorry. I'm a little skeptical of platforms, outlets, and persons who have a very strong interest in this not happening and were the quickest to dismiss this. I, I'm very... 
<laughs> I'm, I'm extremely skeptical. I'm sorry. I'm not saying anybody is being dishonest. I'm just saying I have a very healthy amount of skepticism about those claims because multiple sources are now reporting that, oh no, yeah, this this is coming. This is happening. Lido with 24 months in a VIP. 24 months, there it is, the red badge. If they end up releasing Starfield on PS5 Pro at 60 FPS, a lot of Twitter users are going to implode. Yeah, I mean that's obviously a, a, a potential discussion point if it if it if it happens. <clears throat> no one's port begging. Yeah, I mean I'm telling you when someone says that we're port begging, you, you quite you quite literally are just self-reporting. I don't have to port beg. It sounds like you do. I don't have to port beg. I have a Nintendo Switch. I have an Xbox Series X. I have a PlayStation 5. I have a 2080 Ti rig right here. I got a 2080 rig in my living room. I don't need to port beg. It sounds like you need to port beg. And the minute you see people discussing a game coming to another platform, you project that onto that reality. You don't need to port beg if you own every system. I own Starfield twice. Kevin, he hit me twice. I own the game twice. Why would I port beg? I really want to buy it a third time so I can not play it. That doesn't make any sense. There's no logic behind that. It's just, it's literally just thoughtless, like, tribalism. You're not saying anything of thought or of substance. That's just a cliche, canned response. Look at this pony port begging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought the game twice. I'm port begging. Sure. Two weeks ago, they called it copium or hopium, and now they have sources confirming it. That's exactly right, Eugene. That's exactly right. I think the bigger question is not a matter of if this is happening. It is. Oh, yeah, did you guys check it out? Did you guys see it? I got the tall neck done. Isn't that nice? That set is so cool. Isn't that a great set? I think it's great. Had to move Spider-Man to the chair so that uh, the tall neck could sit next to the piranha plant. Poor begging is the new word. Well, listen, if you think in those terms, that's your only victory here, right? Because it goes from hopium, it goes from copium, it goes from a pipe dream, it goes from just PlayStation fanboys, you know, drumming up nonsense to being like, oh, this is actually going to happen. Well, then the only thing you can say then is, oh, yeah, look at you port begging. Yeah, now the game's good. Now the game is good. I don't think anybody's saying that. Most of the people I saw talking about this that have been consistently pretty harsh about Starfield aren't suddenly like, oh, I can't wait to play Starfield. They're they're not changing their opinion. They're simply saying, here we go. A lot of people said that I've that I'm seeing talking about this, they're not saying, bro, I can't wait to play that game. They're saying, we told you this was gonna happen. We told you that they were going to be more of a publisher than a platform once they start buying all this property up. And here we are. That's not port begging. It's just, we're just reporting on what's happening. What are we supposed to do? Some guy says, well, it must be a slow news day. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. A bunch of sources are telling me, you know, in confidence that one of Xbox's biggest pieces of property last year is coming to PlayStation. Yeah, that's a slow news day, all right. So, 
if sources came to me and told me that Horizon Zero Dawn was coming to Xbox, you don't think I would report on that? I'd have that I'd have that thumbnail made tomorrow. I'd boot up and be like, here we go. The console war is over. They're just putting the games everywhere now. That would be huge news if that happened. It'd be huge news if Nintendo was bringing Zelda to the PlayStation or the Xbox or to PC. That that would be big news that you would cover. It's dismissed as nothing only by those who are like hoping that it doesn't happen rather than just saying this is this is this would be pretty significant if this happens. Right? Ragnarok with five months. I own eight different copies of Skyrim and eight different consoles and storefronts. Don't tempt me with other games. Xbox was already a third-party publisher. Going Steam day and date was the nail. I don't know if it was the nail, but I think it made it very clear. Shooter Forever, I quoted a guy from my timeline. I thought he made an excellent point. He's like, Xbox spent all this time and energy building their own storefront for PC, and then they brought their games to the other platform on PC. He's like, why is it so shocking to think that they would do this in the console space? You know? I, why? why? Why would you not do it? Just like, well, we don't want to think of it from this perspective this is something that I that I said in the show open I said if you spent this amount of money on the amount of property that Xbox purchased do you honestly think their strategy was well we really want to just keep all this stuff on Xbox and PC games that they know would sell really really well on other platforms. Games like Hi-Fi Rush. Like, I've continued to say, if they could get Hi-Fi Rush to run well on the Nintendo Switch, it would crush over there. It just has the right vibe and feel. I think the Nintendo Switch user base would gobble that game up. And there is a large amount of Bethesda fans on PlayStation. Look again how Fallout 4 sold in its opening weeks, and how much PlayStation dominated that sales funnel of physical sales. So, again... You got to think like a businessman. You have to think like a, 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 a an investment-minded person. Of dude, we spent so much money. We've got to get ROI on this. We, we're gonna limit it to like a small. This look at the look at the reports. Jordan Lanham gives some memory. He goes to shooter forever, taking us to ten members on the day, almost that halfway point. Every twenty-five, I give five back. We are still aiming at three thousand. We hit three thousand members. I'll give you another. I'll give you another Friday night for everybody. We'll do that. That'll be our milestone celebrations. I'll, uh, maybe we'll give you guys like a, a sampling of a Madam stream. You know, we'll, we'll have her. We'll have her off cam, but you can watch her just absolutely shred me up and make fun of me. That's something that the members really, really enjoy. Shooter Forever says, "I think it's shocking because people have this idea that Xbox console exclusive is a real term in the industry." Right. Well, and that's what I always go back to. Shooter Forever. It's like launches exclusively and arrives exclusively that's timed exclusive language it is the same Bethesda marketing and PR team that approved that language for Ghostwire Tokyo a time exclusive it's phrased the exact same way if you go back and look at all the announcements about Ghostwire on the PlayStation 5 it's launches exclusively on PS5 why that's timed exclusive language mysteriously that same marketing and PR team approved the same language for Starfield launches exclusively arrives exclusively almost like they left the door open 
Xbox probably made more money on Hi-Fi Rush than PlayStation did on Returnal. Uh, I don't know. The engagement numbers for Hi-Fi on Xbox, I don't think so. Returnal did rather well for a PS5-only title that launched when there was between 7 and 10 million copies of the PlayStation 5 in circulation in the public's hands. So, I don't know what their budget... I don't know what their budget was because that's how you determine the profit margin, but I don't know. I I, I don't think Hi-Fi Rush generated a, a, a ton of profit either. I don't know how well it did on Steam, but I just I don't think that that's I don't think that's true. Returnal did well. Yeah, when we looked at the numbers, Returnal did actually very very strong as far as conversion rates go for a launch console that was at the time of Returnal's launch. There was somewhere between six and 10 million PS5s in circulation. There weren't that many in circulation. So Returnal did fine. There we've not seen any reports that they were unhappy with the sales. They're ha- they're they're investing in another title right now. I don't think Housemark is like, "Oh, yeah, the title didn't do very well." We've not seen any reports to indicate that. It also doesn't really matter to the discussion. That's so out of the blue. We're not talking about Returnal. Yeah, Returnal was also $70. Yo, what's good, Doc? Haven't been up catching streams in a while, but man, your Starfield rand made sense, but it don't feel right. <clears throat> Return only sold less than a million copies. Yeah, and again, within context, and yeah, I'm not letting you do this today, Erotimus. Returnal has nothing to do with the discussion. I'll grant you the point. Congratulations. Hi-Fi Rush made more money than Returnal. You just made a very good business argument that it should be brought to other platforms because that means it's a hot ticket item and it sells well. I, I, I grant your point and it just actually inadvertently proves that Hi-Fi would be a great game to bring to other platforms because it's a game that sells well even though we know from the engagement numbers on Xbox it probably didn't do all that well on the platform which is also grounds to bring it to other places because you want to bring it to markets that are act, you know actually going to buy it yeah and Returnal led to Housemark being purchased by Sony but sure it didn't do well any source of rumors for Starfield on the PS5 it has been relayed to me three different sources one one of the sources is in the know but not as in the know as either two there are two sources strongly in the know that don't know each other that have both said independently this is coming this is coming this is happening and these are not people going out on Twitter and chasing clout this is this has been this has been relayed to me privately this is, this, is, this is not people that are like running to Twitter and running to YouTube to be like, hey, give me clicks and give me likes. This is this is this is privately been relayed. And uh, to me, as I said earlier, and to, to back to what Doc had said, this doesn't feel right. I've continued to say this about PlayStation, Doc. PlayStation's not going to have their first-party studios out on front and center anymore. They're not. We're going to hear mostly... if Like, a state of play from PlayStation and a showcase is going to be like one-third of it's going to be third-party, one-third of it's going to be second-party, like Rise of the Ronin is basically second-party. It's an exclusive, but they don't own the studio. And then a third of the showcase will be first-party. It's going to be like evenly divided. Do you want to know why? Because the public doesn't know any of that, and they don't care. All the public knows is they watch a PlayStation showcase and they're like, that's a lot of games. And then they go home and they buy some or pre-order some. And I'm using the exact same logic in this in this discussion as well, Doc. The general public has no clue about any of this. 
So seeing Starfield come to PlayStation wouldn't be as disruptive as some people think. Like, oh my gosh, sky is falling. You know what the average person would say? Oh, cool, I heard about that game. I have people in my non-gaming circles that have heard of Starfield. Now, puff your chest out. That's your Xbox title, isn't it? Yeah, man. Starfield's one of the most talked about games last year. People in non-gaming circles, they've heard of Starfield. That's a really good reason to sell it on other platforms, isn't it? a really good reason to say you know what we spent an awful lot of money getting bethesda and activision blizzard i don't think the cfo said what he said because he was like trying to make headlines i think the cfo said what he said because he's like yeah we did spend a lot of money and here's how we're going to make it back here's why you should jump in here's why you should stay an investor here's why you should be an investor because we own tons of gaming property and there are high margin markets out there we're going to put these games on PlayStation, Nintendo, mobile. You're not going to be able to spit without hitting a platform that has our games on it. We're going to make a lot of money. And the investors saw dollar signs. And all Phil Spencer pushed back on was, we have no plans to put Game Pass on PlayStation and Nintendo. Passively, he basically confirmed everything else the CFO said. Oh, well, that means that well, you know first-party games are coming to other platforms then. Right? This won't be popular, but it would be stupid for Xbox not to put their games on the console that's selling better. See, Doc, that's why I've always liked you, because you bleed green, but you, you also are willing to admit and think through things from, from, a, from that perspective of, like, this just makes business sense. As of February of 2022, Returnal has sold over a million copies. For the sources, have they proved correct before? Yes. These are sources that get things right it all makes sense yet something doesn't feel right I'll be honest Doc I think the reason it doesn't feel right is it's too fast I thought they were going to do this slowly over the years this is how I envisioned it happening Doc I envisioned there being a game like Doom being like a multi-platform release and then they still have a whole slate of exclusives. Like, look at this year as an example. Hellblade 2, Avowed, rumors are Indiana Jones is coming this year. We've got guys claiming that, like, every developer underneath Xbox has allegedly worked on Indiana Jones. When pressed on that information, we haven't gotten any more, so I'm not sure if that was a lot of smoke, no fire. But Xbox has a slate of first-party exclusives this year. A strong slate as of now, we don't know how well they're going to launch, but right now, strong slate. But if you start doing this with Starfield, the reason it doesn't feel right, Doc, is what does that mean for that slate of games coming out this year? What's that mean for Indiana Jones? What's that mean for for Avowed and Hellblade 2? What's it mean? They all become question marks. I don't know. I mean... If they if they, if they if they'll put Starfield over there, I mean they'll put anything over there. ABK was an accelerant to their strategy per fill. That's right. That's right. And in that sentence structure, he's talking about publishing. He's he's talk, he's talking about like listen, man, can't out console, but you know what they can do? They can outspend, and if you can outspend, you're gonna need to sell. Like, you can't just spend until you're out of, you know, like, out of, 
uh, companies to buy. Like, oh, we're just going to buy every company. Well, and then what are you going to do? Make everybody come to you? No, it makes way more business sense to work within established trenches and revenue funnels. It's like, like Doc said, it makes sense to sell on a console that's selling so well. PS5 is, is, is doing very, very well. And the Switch 2... I wouldn't surprise me at all if the Switch 2 is a part of all of this, that they're looking at the Switch 2 and saying, listen, if the Switch 2 gets a market adoption rate close to the first Switch and we're able to leverage you know, DLSS and all these rumors we're hearing about the Switch 2, dude, you better believe that companies are going to want their games to be on the Nintendo Switch 2. Then I'm going to hesitate. That, that platform will have, it'll have pull. It'll have absolute pull. And this is why people that were like, well, when are we going to get Spider-Man on Xbox? When are we going to get Returnal on Xbox? It's like, I don't think you understand what's happening. I don't think you understand why this is a this is a reality that's so easy to see taking place. The two biggest hardware platforms are potentially going to get more games from somebody who just spent more money in the history of gaming acquisitions than anybody else. That makes sense. There's a logic to it. Microsoft spent more money than we've ever seen, and these platforms are the two biggest. Connect the dots. It just makes sense. Go the other direction. PlayStation and Nintendo have firmly cemented so much of their identity in their first-party property, and their hardware is doing amazing. Why would they ever want to bring their games to the smaller platform whose hardware is falling behind, and if you bring it to their platform and it's a PS5 exclusive, you gotta dumb dumb it down to get it to run on the Series S. You want to spend time and money doing that with your property to go to a console and an ecosystem that doesn't buy games in large numbers? They're always in last place on sales. Not I'm not even talking quantity. I'm just talking ratio. Game Pass has taken an effect of that ecosystem. It's had an effect. People are less likely to buy games in the Xbox ecosystem. You can't parade and brag and run around and talk about day and date. I don't have to buy games and then get like like clutch your pearls and get offended when we talk about how like the Xbox ecosystem has people in it that don't like to buy games. They fostered that. That's that's not a negative, by the way. You can't celebrate that as a value and then get angry at the simple observation that the Xbox ecosystem doesn't buy games the way Nintendo and PlayStation does. And if you're an executive, if you're a C-suite level employee, you're looking at that and saying, put our games over there. That's why the CFO referred to them as high margin markets. They buy the games at full price. They do. And Xbox wants to make money. Doc says at this point, Game Pass is the only exclusive feature. And if they could, they might put that on the PS5. Now, here's why I continue to push back on that, Doc. I can't see Game Pass coming to PlayStation because it would hurt both companies. It would hurt both companies. Now, again, this is hypothetical. We're assuming this happens. I'm operating under the assumption that big titles like Call of Duty... You know, big titles like Call of Duty are going to land on Game Pass, okay? So if the next Call of Duty, the reboot of Black Ops 1, lands on Game Pass, you don't want Game Pass on PlayStation. You want people buying Call of Duty on PlayStation. You make way more money. You want all of those people, 48% of the people who buy Call of Duty buy it on PlayStation. You want all 48% of those people lining up to buy Call of Duty at 70 or 100 for a digital deluxe. That's tons of money. You know what's not tons of money? 
getting a bunch of them to sign up for 10 bucks and then canceling. Like, both companies would lose money in that exchange, right? There's no way. I, I can't see a road where Xbox has any vested interest in putting Game Pass over there. It doesn't make sense. You have a platform that buys games hand over fist at full price and they're one of your biggest customers of one of your biggest pieces of property you wouldn't disrupt that you wouldn't it doesn't make any sense a 10 spot from dodge man gaming it's just about business sure starfield sold but if it went to playstation it'd be more profit for them game pass probably hurt starfield if you ask me well the curious number would be this they had their biggest increase in uh, Game Pass in a single day because of Starfield, and the question would be how many of those people stayed. Small correction, Lono. We don't buy Xbox games. Why would I? I have it on Game Pass, but I do buy the games that aren't. Right, but Doc, studios have discussed this. It's difficult to find success on the Xbox platform if you're not on Game Pass because they don't put you out front and center as much. You don't get the sweet marketing treatment. You don't. So it's difficult to do well over there unless you're like a big well-known title, like indie titles, you know, double-A titles. And according to Devolver Digital, the offers to land on Game Pass are getting smaller, and it makes perfectly good sense that they're getting smaller. Why would the offers to smaller studios under a publisher like Devolver, why would the offers start to get smaller? Well, because Xbox doesn't need you anymore they have more titles than any other platform. They have more property, more studios than any of the other platforms. They don't need you to make Game Pass look good. They can make Game Pass look good on their own. So of course they're going to offer you less money. They've been spending through the nose to get games on Game Pass. That's why GTA is falling off of Game Pass. The per month cost to keep GTA on Game Pass is insane. They don't want to keep spending that. They just spent $70 billion so they could put their own stuff on Game Pass. It just makes sense. It's like, well, of course you're going to start offering less money to Devolver Digital. You own Call of Duty all of a sudden. I forgot to put the coffee in frame. Guys, we are an hour into the broadcast. Do me a favor. Smash that like button. Let's set our sights on 300 likes. Let's set that the next milestone. We're probably right about to hit 200 likes. So let's hit 300 likes. If you want to support the channel, you can do so with the membership. If you stick around long enough, you will get a gifted member. And gifted members can get into our Discord. You can sample the community. They do a community event every Saturday where they just kind of hang out and talk. Get to know the community. See if you like them. See if you want to kind of be a part of what we do here and then you also get to be a part of a daily Q&A session just for members and there are Friday night community game nights that all members can come to we have restricted the writers room where we plan the next day shows and streams with my wife that is at the $6 tier and above we have made that decision but we're still giving a significant amount to people at the gifted tier because we're giving you that as like a ticket to come in and try it out and if you like it you can bump up you can also gift members that supports the channel if you consistently have gotten a gifted and you want to pay it forward those are all great ways to support the channel if you sit around lurk around like chat if you do all those things you're increasing the likelihood of getting a gifted member Leo, Leo Leo Lyon gets one from Joker Quinn. Uh, it's very unlikely that you would be heavily engaged with my channel and supporting and watching and liking and lurking for you to not get a membership. You will likely get one because we get, people gift a lot here, myself included. I gifted over 4,000 members to this channel last year because of the incentive of 5 every 25. Doc says, Solono, 
if, and that's a big if, the big titles do go to Sony, what does Xbox do next-gen console-wise? Just a Series S-type system, a Game Pass machine? Uh, Dodgeman Game with a $2 tip says, how long will GTA 5 be on PS Plus? I'm not sure. Uh, eight months from Nemesis Undead. Enjoying my day off, snow day. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Nemesis Undead. Nemesis, if you're paying for that membership, you want to bump up to the six out of the five. That's something we made a change to this year if you want to continue to come to Writer's Room and Streams with Madam. Okay, so Doc... He deleted the tweet, okay? But Tom Warren said what I've been saying based on the leaks from the FTC, okay? Tom Warren and I don't have crystal balls, okay? I'm not even like this like huge Tom Warren fan. I just go to him because he seems to get good information, okay? He said what I've been saying, that the next Xbox console is a cloud hybrid, and this is my theory as to what they're going to do. They're going to launch a cloud hybrid. They're going to start to have better cloud experiences. And the Series S will start to get next-gen level games on the cloud. Yo, Gamer V, thank you so much for jumping in as a member. That actually moves the line. You don't have to gift members to increase the count. This is new members over here. So 12 out of 25, welcome Gamer V. And thanks for picking the member tier. We, we were hoping that that would be clear when people go to join. I appreciate you doing that. So I think that's going to be a big selling point of the Series S. They're going to help the Series S transcend by saying, well, you can get next-gen performance on your Series S. You're gonna, you'll be playing games on the cloud. And the cloud hybrid will basically be a really easy way to get people into the ecosystem. I also think you're going to see Game Pass and the ecosystem showing up on televisions. Yeah, buy this brand new television. We'll give you six months of Game Pass. And you start getting people to play video games through their television, through the cloud, through the internet. Right? That's simple. No problem. Enjoy the conversations. I really appreciate that. Yo, Poe Buddies Nerfic. Thank you so much for 16 months in a VIP. I was gifted a membership multiple times before paying for my own. We have an extremely generous community. Thank you for doing that. And he gifts a member as well and bumps the line forward. A little bit of a member train going on right now. Appreciate you guys so, so much. Creature said something about setting a date if we have a goal or something. I'm not sure what he said. I think he was trying to give you guys an incentive to hit that 3,000. We still want to hit that because that's a great milestone for to kick off the year. A notorious month of the year that's slow. We're having a great time, and it's because of you guys. You guys are really helping. It's awesome. Bolton Gaming gifts a member. Thank you so much. Taking us to 14 members on the day and another one comes in from raptor 15 out of 25 we'll see if any of the big boys are in hiding today and they'll come out and drop a 10 bomb taking that rate to 25 that fast shooter forever five months is how many games does microsoft gaming have now because pc game pass offers 100 of the best uh, on the base tier soon they won't need third-party games oh now see now shooter forever i said that in a different way I said this last year. I said, listen to me now. I said, you guys think Activision Blizzard is going to be this great thing, right? I said, but imagine this. Imagine coming to the Xbox platform and having to compete with Game Pass that has 
Call of Duty on it, that has Diablo on it, that has any of the latest big titles from Bethesda. Third-party companies are going to start to say, it makes no sense to go over there. It's a smaller footprint. We have to downgrade our game to get it to run on the Series S, and we're competing with a subscription service that is full of great games. I said, now there's a risk here. You're going to make your platform really, really uninviting the third party by doing that. It already is uninviting to a certain extent because your hardware sales aren't so hot. You really want people on Game Pass. So games that don't want to go on Game Pass have got to consider where they're going to land on the platform, how much are they going to get seen, okay? And you got to dedicate extra dev time to get a game to run on the Series S. And we know from sources at VGC who went to Gamescom, many developers do not like the Series S. So, having all that property could end up being a blessing and a curse at the same time. JW with 35 months, it's a VIP plus, almost three years, Lono. It's been a heck of a ride. I appreciate you, brother, even if you cheated in Fall Guys. What? I didn't cheat. You can't cheat in Fall Guys. Can you? How could you cheat in that game? <laughs> I'm like, can you? I, I would start today. That's why Microsoft is consolidating the industry. Third party doesn't have much of a choice if it isn't third party anymore. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'll be honest with you. Xbox becoming more of a third-party publisher is... It's not as concerning. I don't think it's as concerning. It's like, well, then they have to function in the buy-to-play market. And if you want to flourish in the buy-to-play market, well, then your games have got to be really good. Suddenly, making sure you hit a really good cadence for Game Pass, well, suddenly that's going to be less of a motivator. You know what's going to be a motivator? We need our games to land very strongly. We, we, we can't have these 7 out of 10 games landing. That 7 out of 10 games are great for Game Pass. They're not great for game sales. Right? A 5-bomb from JW takes us to 20. Rounds it out nicely. Makes it really easy to land the first 25 members of the day. Oh, you like my shirt? Yeah, my daughter asked me, what is that? When she first saw it, she's uh, never seen a cassette. Now, she has seen CDs. They get audiobooks from the library. But she had never seen a cassette before. Made me feel a little bit old. But this one comes from Into the AM. If you like graphic tees like this, be sure to use my code over there, code LONO, or you can go to intotheam.com slash LONO. LONO, I love your viewpoints on gaming. I'm happy to be supporting this community and your work. It's great to listen to while I'm working and chilling on my day off. I appreciate that, Big Lido. That could explain why PlayStation are doing more investment into their console, more appealing to both consumer and developers. Momo, that, that's exactly what I've been saying about the PS5 Pro. What, what, what did I say about the PS5 Pro? I said, I said, PlayStation can't outspend Microsoft. So in the content war, they're going to lose that fight every time. Xbox can just buy up a, any studio they want, within reason, within reason, right? The, the, it has to make good sense for the, for the studio or whoever the parent company is, okay? So... If you can't beat them in a spending war, you're going to have to think of a way 
to get the devs to come to you. And I believe that the PS5, as well as the PS5 Pro, is succeeding in that effort. And I think Xbox sensed that when Starfield was being entertained for an exclusivity contract with PlayStation. We have it on good authority. Bill Spencer himself saying that was one of the things that precipitated them buying Bethesda. Gamer V doesn't just become a member. He gives a member. Thank you so much. Taking us to 21. Making a five bomb. The agent of chaos taking us to 26. And then I'll give five. I've been gifting like right away just to help us get our member count up as fast as possible to help you guys hit these goals. Let's see where we ended up. We always lose a little bit over the weekend because we're usually 30 days away. We're at 2450. We're at 2450. So you guys are still able. I think you could hit the stretch goal. We had a stretch goal of 2750. We could do that. We could do that before the end of this week. And if we do 2750 before the end of this week, I think we could do that. I think we could do a stream. You guys could get a sample of a madam stream. We'll just we'll have her off cam. I've done that before on other content with her. I think you guys would like it. She uh she's very funny, quick-witted and she shreds me to pieces. I the, the the members enjoy that most of all. They enjoy watching her make fun of me. If you buy Samsung TV, you get 3 months of Game Pass with it. Are they already running that? Are they already running that promo? It just makes good sense, man. It really does. Microsoft has done very well selling software, but hardware like the Zune, the Windows Phone, the last two Xbox, so it makes sense for them to pivot. Well, right, because if you think about it, one of the things Satya Nadella had to say about the hardware was that he would love to see a central device that just got people into the cloud. Yes, I did get a haircut. Thank you. I got it trimmed up. I also trimmed up the beard. I'm looking... I'm looking, I'm looking a little clean cut, you know. I always get a little, near the end, I'm always looking a little, uh, you know, a little crazy. <laughs> I appreciate you noticing, but yes, I did get a, uh, a haircut. Um, What was I saying? I lost my train of thought. I remember Hotshot, I also remember how it's so, switch- oh, 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 we were talking about, um, The hardware, the pivot from hardware. Yeah, like if you're if you're a high level decision maker at Xbox, it's hard not to say not even Xbox, but Microsoft. Right? It's hard not to see like Satya Nadella is like, look, let's just make a controller that everybody buys, and then they just get into the cloud with the controller through their TV. Select Samsung TVs come with three months of Game Pass, uh, and a controller. That right there, I'm telling you. One central device for cloud. That's exactly right, Brad. The hair gets really Jimmy Neutron before it's cut. Thank you, Eugene. I appreciate that. I appreciate (laughs) This Jimmy Neutron looking pony. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Might as well call me four eyes. Like so juvenile. Yo, good morning, Captain Toasty Buns. I'm reporting in courtesy of a mild snow day. My daughter was so excited. She's like, Papa, did you see the snow? And I was like, no. She's like, it's it's not fully covered, the grass, but it's more than it was yesterday. And I was like, all right, let's go take a look. <laughs> she was she was so excited. And it's like, you know, 
a light dusting on the grass. But it was still there, was the point. It was still there. I believe Samsung's bringing its own controller out. Yeah. I don't think the push to cloud is winsome to me. Like, I don't think it's winsome to me as a player. I don't want to play on the cloud. It's too easy for things to not run very well. I I basically had a cloud gaming experience on my portal when I was up in Northeastern Ohio. And I got to tell you, I don't want to play games that way. Are you kidding me? I connected through high-speed internet to my PS5 home on high-speed internet, and I was like, this is great. A little bit of lag every now and again. Ugh. This is this is running pretty well. A little bit of lag every now and again. <sighs> like I don't want to play that way because there's no way to know. Is it my brother's internet? Is it my internet at home? Is it my signal strength? No way to know. There's no way to try. How do you troubleshoot it? Like if you're having some lag and you're watching like uh, Netflix or something. Or, you know, you're downloading a game, or maybe you're playing, you know, an online game and you're getting some lag. What's pretty easy to know what to do? You go run a speed test. Maybe you're getting bad speeds. Maybe you reboot your modem in your router. Maybe you make sure nobody's downloading anything. Maybe you call in and have them troubleshoot. What do you do with cloud if it's not running well? Try GeForce now if you think cloud sucks. Try listening if you think I said cloud sucks. I would I would encourage you to listen. I didn't say cloud sucks. I said there's no way to know what the cause of the problems are. Your neighborhood could be oversold. You could be on a bad node. You could live in a neighborhood where the internet's just bad. GeForce Now can't control that. GeForce Now could be humming and purring like a kitten. And if your internet sucks, there's no way for you to know what the real cause is. You're like... I watch Netflix, no problem. I play Call of Duty, no problem. But when I try to play on the cloud, all I get is lag. There's no way for that person to know what the issue is. Yo, good morning, Feed. I see you in the chat. That's why I'm not sold on cloud right now. I'm like, the infrastructure in neighborhoods and cities is just not there. And I don't want to have to depend on that. I don't want to have to depend on that for my game to look and run well. That doesn't sound like a good experience to me. That sounds like I'm putting my hands in my I'm putting my experience in the hands of internet service providers and we all know how great they are. In my opinion, the portal should have had internal storage. That way you could have just downloaded the game straight to the system. Well, Lido, you understand that that would have been a much more expensive device, right? Cuz you're not just asking for internal storage, you're asking for an internal processor, graphics card, memory. You want to run the games natively, right? Well, you can't just do that with storage. You need all of the other parts too. You're describing a 5 to 600 dollar device, not a device that's basically the cost of a controller. It's 200 bucks. This is 200 dollars. I spent how much this cost I spent on a portal instead of, you know, 5 to 600. At 5 to 600, I I don't even think I don't think people would have bought it. It'd have been like I'll just buy a PlayStation. I'll just buy another PlayStation at that point. We're getting fiber run all over our city right now, but they aren't pouring into our neighborhoods just yet. Can't wait for the fiber though. 
Right. I would say in about 10 years, if it's if fiber is common enough, if, if fiber is common enough, then you will hear me speak differently about the cloud. Why? I'd be like, this is great. <laughs> Played a game last night on my TV. Didn't have to install anything. Fiber speeds are fantastic. I'm close enough to one of the major hubs of the cloud servers. I'm, this is awesome. That's 10 years from now, though. Now, some would say... Some would say that that's where everything's going. And I would say yes and no. I don't think that this idea that hardware is going away, I, I don't agree with that sentiment at all. I don't. We've, we don't see the eradication of entire mediums simply because like a new one comes out. Like 3D televisions and curved televisions didn't get rid of traditional flat televisions. They get bigger and they get better. People are talking about that too. They're like, yeah, there won't even be TVs in in 20 years. It'll just be like projected onto the wall. You're probably right, but it's still a flat surface. It's still a flat surface. You're still using hardware to do that. And I think the same will apply with computers and computer games and gaming and consoles and console gaming. I don't think you will see just the eradication of hardware. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, why would they do that? You would still have people that want to buy something, put it in their room. You're still going to have people buying PCs and buying the latest and greatest graphics cards. There'll be a market for it. The PC market showing a lot of promise in, in in other parts of the world. I don't the PC market showing growth patterns, and PlayStation Five showing growth patterns, and the Nintendo Switch Two will likely do incredibly well. I don't think you're going to have all of that just get completely thrown out the window because well, cloud. It's like that. That's not going to completely supplant the hardware market. It just won't. It won't. I'll be around another fifteen years or so. I still think I still think even 15 or 20 years from now there's still going to be hardware that you put in your house. Do you want to know why? Because I think you're going to have full body suits you can wear, play, ready player one experiences that you can have. You're still going to be buying some type of hardware, whether it's a pair of goggles that you wear or gloves that you put on or something, a chair that you sit in, gaming Hardware gaming peripherals will not evaporate into thin air simply because we can run games on the cloud. It doesn't stand to reason. You will continue to see hardware evolution, hardware innovation. You will continue to see you know, PC peripherals. And then the only thing you're going to run into problems with is like maybe like raw material shortages that would make that more difficult. But even then, you still need raw materials to build the servers. And then the servers have got to be there for capacity because if you funnel everybody to cloud... You suddenly have 130 million people who no longer are buying a Nintendo Switch. They're only playing Nintendo games on the cloud. Those, All those people are going to need access to a server because they're no longer playing on a native device. You're, you're talking about an infrastructure requirement that, I mean, again, maybe again, there could be innovations with AI and how they get everybody to connect through uh, minimal required bitrate and bandwidth. I mean, there could be innovations there, like with that iSize company that we saw PlayStation buy. I don't know. 
I might have missed a super chat. Hang on, let me check. I feel like I missed something. No, 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 I didn't. Okay, JW and Gamer V were the last ones to gift. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're all caught up. All right, we're 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 within four of the member goal. I'll give five right away if we hit that. I run fiber with one gig down and 100 meg up, and it runs very consistent, says King Salty. My ISP is a little over 100 yards down the road, and I still get hitching that is disruptive with cloud gaming. Yeah, even in the best case scenario, you can, you can still have issues. You can still have issues. Cloud is a decade away. Most of the U.S. doesn't have good enough internet to provide a low latency experience. I mean, this is what I hope Microsoft is able to do. Xbox is a brand, I think. They've been very disappointing to me as a gaming platform, okay? But that doesn't mean that their role as a publisher could start to result in in better games that I like, but it could also result in a cloud push that gives them cause to look at infrastructure and look at the government and say, we we need better fiber initiatives. This is a bottleneck that's hurting our ability to sell and promote a service, and Microsoft has deep pockets and influence. So my hope would be that their efforts with cloud would inadvertently push internet infrastructure faster toward standard fiber citywide fiber like what are we doing like, you know what i'm saying in b- build it we just you just gonna fall behind the rest of the globe i mean is that what we're gonna do our public transportation's a joke compared to some of the more major cities in the world why they urbanized later which gives them advantages we urbanized earlier so our public transportation is lagging woefully behind our internet same deal we urbanized earlier, so you've got telephone wires and electrical wires all over the place that are now not so great, outdated, oversold, old technology. Well, we ur- we urbanized earlier, so all that stuff's now outdated. So you're going to have to go in and replace it all. That's a lot of money, and the only way you're going to get that kind of money to move is you're going to need big companies saying, hey, government invest in this this is going to be good for industry this is going to be good for business this is going to be good for us which in turn is then good for you because companies like microsoft you know love to pay lobbyists and people to get you know keep people in office now i'm not trying to get into a political discussion with you but inadvertently microsoft's push to cloud could help the consumer get better internet because our ISPs have completely stalled out with this, with as far as like investing in the infrastructure. They're just not doing it. They were supposed to do it like 14 years ago and they haven't. Enjoy with 10 months. Playing God of War 1 on my PS5 streaming it. I have a 1 gig download speed and 100 upload speed and I haven't experienced any problems. Right, and that's the thing, Enjoy, is you can have that experience and your buddy could live on the other side of the city and have an, a, a completely different experience. Because he maybe he can't get a gig down. Maybe he can only get 300 down and it fluctuates because he's on a he's on a bad neighborhood. You guys forget that a lot of people aren't on a gig down. They're on plans that give them like, I don't know, 200, 300. And that's fine for the average consumer that's going to boot up Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or they want to play Call of Duty. Two to 300 downs more than enough. 
we're, we're a little spoiled, some of us, I think. Like a gig down, a lesson a gig down. Oh my gosh, what would I do? You'd, you'd, you'd be like everybody else. <laughs> this might be a dumb question, but how do companies make money when putting their games on Game Pass? Xbox writes a big check in order for them to do it. They are compensated quite heavily for it. Eugene says, takes a lot of money to build internet infrastructure for a city that is 20 square miles versus one that is 5 square miles. Right, really dense cities have an easier time for sure. Some of the, I think you use the word sprawling, Eugene. You go to some suburbs and some cities and it's like, just, just stretched out. Oh, for Pete's sakes. You're, you're talking about you know, billions and billions just to get that infrastructure up and running. All that stuff laid, all the contract workers, all the raw materials, all of the digging, building, scrapping. It's just, it's a, it's a gargantuan endeavor. It's why it hasn't happened. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of reasons it hasn't happened. The ISPs blocked some of it. Google's willing to throw all their money behind it and they got blocked. And I mean, they got blocked in my city. Yo, what's good to Floyd? How are you? You can only get Spectrum in my area. That's another reason why internet infrastructure is lagging behind is because you get like like one provider in the city. Only problem with cloud gaming is that there is no consistent experience. That's exactly the point I'm making. Like <laughs> cloud gaming uh I'll be nice about this. Because <laughs> some of y'all that like cloud gaming, you get a little pushy, right? It's like talking to somebody who just ran a marathon or a vegan, okay? They <laughs> they just can't help but bring it up in conversation. <laughs> but I'll be, I'll be nice, okay? Cloud gaming enthusiasts, the vegans of the gaming world. Anyways, cloud gaming enthusiasts... You guys can be a little pushy. But I think the thing that you forget is your positive experience is not normative. Like, that's not necessarily the experience that everybody else is going to have. That's what I always try to highlight. I'm not denying that it's impressive. I'm not denying that it's super freaking cool. I'm not, I am not denying that. What I'm telling you is it's a tough sell because all it takes is one bad experience and that person's like I tried that cloud gaming stuff it was terrible I had to wait and then it was laggy they're not coming back anytime soon that's the danger is it's it's a it's a thin offer it's a tenuous offer it's brittle just I'm gonna try this out and like oh I had to wait for five minutes oh it's lagging and looks bad broken they're not they don't care they're like i'm out especially if they've tried it before and it was bad they tried again and it's bad it's almost like it reinforces it it confirms it you know it's like when you decide to go back to that restaurant you're like oh, i'm gonna give them one last try and the food sucks again you're like oh for no <laughs> like my friend told me it was better and it's not better a lot of indie devs go through id at xbox dev program that helps them develop their game which in turn, they put their game in Game Pass. 
Well, I actually don't think they're handling ID at Xbox in the way that they should. This is just my personal opinion. I think ID at Xbox should be a branch of Game Pass that features weekly game trials of those games. Because a lot of those ID at Xbox games are not on Game Pass. They're not. And that's one of the that's one of the dangers of Activision Blizzard is those titles will completely overshadow and take over Game Pass and then those smaller games you know they'll be over there on ID at Xbox I've continued to say I love a lot of those studios I got to interview like the head guy at ID at Xbox I interviewed him in 2019 main stage E3 and I love what they do I'm a huge fan of indies and I I think Indies are the best games to say, play the game for an hour. If you like it, you can buy it for 20 or 30 bucks. I think that's just such a great and healthy ecosystem to foster. I think it's an easier conversion because the price is low. I also think it creates better customers because they're only buying something that they know they're already enjoying. So many people tried Lies of P and then never went back. That's a great value to the consumer. It is. I also think that value could be communicated in game trials as a part of Game Pass. And ID at Xbox is just always sitting there featured. You know, indie game trials. And you see that and you're like, what's that? And you click on it. And you try a game like Death's Door. You try that for an hour and a half or two hours. And like, hey, you can buy this for 20 bucks. You can buy this for 30 bucks. I think a lot of people would. I think they would. And I think a lot of people wouldn't. They would say, I I didn't like it. I enjoyed trying it, but it's not for me. You know, I've always thought that Xbox could leverage those independent studios and games. Um, I've always thought they they could leverage them better than they currently do. That's just my personal opinion because I, I I like a lot of those games and studios and they, I think, are going to get, you know, as Devolver Digital already said, the offers to be on Game Pass are getting lower. Again, that makes perfectly logical sense because Xbox is spending all that money on acquisitions. It makes more sense to use that content and those games on Game Pass. They don't need to seek out indies anymore. They don't need to lean on them quite as heavily. For a while there, Game Pass was you know, heavily saturated with smaller, lesser-known titles. And that's great, but you don't need to do that when you can put the game... You know, you can put your own games on Game Pass. Death's Door was on Game Pass? Yes, and I think Death's Door would be better suited b- being sold. Now... The guys that made it, there's two of them. The game sold 100,000 copies in its first week on Steam. So they probably thought, we don't need to sell a bunch of copies on Xbox. A nice fat check from them is better than, you know, is better than the, the, the potential alternative. They were already riding high. So, but again, going forward, that offer might not be as high, Right? If, if let's say Death's Door 2 comes out well according to what we've seen the offer from Xbox to Death's Door 2 to be on Game Pass would be smaller than the last time and that's when they'd have to weigh that and say our game's in demand it's selling very well on Steam let's just sell it on Xbox instead of going on Game Pass 
1030 Media Group with 15 months. Did the Red Ring of Death make people give up on consoles? No. We bought another console when ours failed. Why not the same for Cloud? I'm not connecting the logic. Are you saying... Are you saying that, that people are going to run to cloud or run away from cloud? I'm not sure what you're saying. Thank you for 15 months. By the way, 1030 Media Group, if you're paying for your own membership, you're going to want to bump up by, it's, it's a dollar. We have 5, 6, and 10 now, and the $6 tier is the standard membership. The $5 tier is intended just for gifted. So the gifted members get into the Discord, Community Game Night, they get to kind of sample the content. The $6 tier gets into everything. Demos are risky, especially if the game is booty like for Spoken. The devs probably thought it was really good. Demo probably did more damage. I mean, I won't disagree with that, Ika Gang, that there are instances where a demo or a trial can cause it, it can cause more harm than good. But think as a consumer how much you benefit from a culture of trials and demos. What does that mean? Well, it means the game better be really good. That game better be great. The game better be awesome. Because people are going to know, but it's not. And they're not going to buy it. Okay. Demos, trials, buy-to-play market. This is such a better relationship for the consumer. It just is. It's better for you to be in that environment. Like, people work really hard to push back against things, and it's like, that's all better for you. Why, why don't you want that? Why don't you want a market where you're trying the games and buying the games? That's a great symbiotic relationship. That's a healthy value transmission relationship with the developers. Because their goal is to get you to buy the game. Their goal is not to hit a subservice every couple of months so that you stay on the subservice. Like that that's so counter to what we have been, I think, traditionally conditioned to do with games, which is buy the ones that are good and skip the ones that aren't. You so it only took one bad experience with cloud gaming to turn people off. Like one bad console didn't turn people away. You don't think that a lot of people left the Xbox ecosystem after the bad experiences of the Red Ring of Death? I also think you're making a, 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 a false equivalency jump, right? Because if you own a 360 and then you get the Red Ring of Death, you know what that is. You're like, oh, it's a hardware problem. I need to get this replaced. If you go to play cloud gaming and it's laggy and bad, and it was laggy and bad the last time you did it, you're not gonna tr- you're not gonna come back. Why? You because you don't have to. That's the point. You don't have to. You just download the game instead of playing it on the cloud. They're trying something that's new. Getting a Red Ring of Death on your 360 wasn't like, well, I was trying this for the first time ever. No, you're going to try to get it fixed or replaced. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are, are like Eugene and they're like, I don't know, dude, Red Ring of Death. I'm not messing with them. I'm not messing with that platform. I don't want to buy another piece a piece of hardware from them. Market can turn on you real fast. You know, and the marketing around the Xbox One and the, and the, and the pricing structure and you know, they really hurt themselves. And I don't think Red Ring of Death did them any favors. 
But I also don't think getting Red Ring of Death is equivalent to somebody saying, oh, I heard about this cloud gaming thing, let me try it out. And they try it out and they're like, this is awful. It's, and I'm not saying cloud gaming is awful. I'm saying they could have a bad experience and they'd have no idea why. Like if you get a Red Ring of Death, you don't, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out like, oh, it's a hardware problem. Something's wrong with the Xbox, right? But if cloud gaming is working poorly and it's your internet provider's fault, there's no way for you to know that unless you're super plugged in and educated and like you do the research and you're like, yeah, my internet's just not doing so great. If you do a speed test and the speeds look fine and you're able to watch your TV shows and you're able to play Call of Duty, it's going to be really hard for that person to conclude that well, it's my internet. They're going to think, no, it's this, it's this, it's this cloud gaming experience. I'm not going to do this. I had so many problems with Red Ring of Death that I went to the PS4 when the next generation came out. You're describing my exact experience with cloud gaming. I'm only saying all of this about cloud gaming that I think people need to realize it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow process. Like, VR is going to be a slow adoption rate. Why? Well, you got to buy a bunch of extra equipment. You got to put it on your face. You might get dizzy. You know, the title offerings can be inconsistent because you got good titles that launched on PSVR 2, but then you got a bunch of crappy ports as well, right? I fault PlayStation for that. They need to have better quality control. They should not be letting bad ports of VR games, like, basically, it ends up reflecting poorly on the VR 2. And I think PlayStation should step in and do a much better job of quality control there. And I think cloud gaming is similar because it's different. You've heard that it's good. You've heard that it can run well. And if you don't have that experience, it's like VR, right? If you have a bad experience, you're going to be less likely to do it again. Speaking of that, isn't there a VR game today? Is Vertigo 2 today, the 15th? I feel like it's today. Kind of a weird day to launch a game, but I feel like it's today. Xbox can't even get all their games to work for co-op. For Grounded, playing with my kids in the same room, they had desync and lag. This doesn't happen with any other co-op games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've not had any bad experiences the few times i played Grounded, but I didn't play Grounded in that way. I played Grounded... Um, with Hilly over the internet, so we weren't in like the same room. There's a lot of things that can cause those issues if you're, you know, you're on the, I don't know. Point taken. Thanks for the response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. I mean, I appreciate the pushback, 10:30, because I do think there are people that'll be like, "All right, let me try cloud again. It wasn't good the last time that I tried it." I just think the biggest challenge is going to be you can have the best cloud gaming service in, in the world and somebody's internet in their neighborhood determines what they think. It's like, it's like you don't have any control over that. You know? Final Fantasy Rebirth, 7 Rebirth uh, got pre-order bonuses. It's selling everywhere right now. Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop. I don't care how good VR gets. I have no interest. 
Oh, and that too, Rainwalker. There's always going to be people that look at VR and just say, no thanks. Just You're just never going to, you know? This is why I think, you know, I, I don't know if Xbox abandoned VR because they just saw the market not being, you know, uh, there's not a strong growth engine there, so they might have just looked at that and said, it, it isn't worth our efforts. It was all the rage for a while, and then then all of a sudden, you know, nobody's talking about it. Except for, you know, Meta and, like, Sony and Apple, but like, like there's just, those are just small companies, right? Um, <laughs> but the point I'm making is, is that, you know, they may have looked at the market and thought, this isn't the right time to strike. This isn't the right time to do it. DK Beggar bumps the line a little bit more and takes us to 22. Thank you so much. DK Beggar. Right on the doorstep of 25 members. Thank you so much. Um, but I think the path forward for VR is attaching to existing brands like the PSVR 2 PlayStation should be approaching games to do like what they did with Gran Turismo 7 and Resident Evil they should be approaching games that they think are like a really good fit for for VR that's what I think they should be doing if you take an established franchise that's really popular and you do a VR mode, well, you might get some folks to say, well, let me try that. You know, if you're a Gran Turismo fan and you try out Gran Turismo on PSVR 2, well, that's pretty convincing. Now, we've kind of gotten off the beaten path here. Let me bring things back to Starfield on PlayStation. Let me ask you guys something. Let's just go forward on the assumption that um, I was just checking my music I felt like we had been on this song for like a really long time maybe I'm dreaming Um, let's just go forward on the assumption that this is happening that Starfield is coming to Playstation I'm curious how you guys think about this Who, who announces that who announces that PlayStation announced that? Does Bethesda? Does Bethesda? Does, does Xbox? Who who announces that? You think Bethesda? Xbox dudes don't even like Starfield. Yo, Mash with the 10 bomb, wasting no time. He says, come on, boys. Mash has become one of the biggest gifters. He's also the agent of chaos. He rolls it over and puts us on track to the next milestone. Every 25, I give five. That's why we roll that over. I will gift the five that I owe you guys now. Thank you so much. And you guys will be able to enjoy. We're going to be switching to a members-only AMA in like eight minutes. And you can ask me about anything gaming related. No one would want to announce it. Bethesda and PlayStation. Oh, you think Jeff Keighley, they would have him do it, Shooter Forever. I honestly don't know who would do it.
Yo, thanks for dropping by, Sorcerer, and hitting like. Harbinger says, let's keep it going. Let's keep the good energy going. And he gives a member and takes us to 33. You got my five bomb. You got Mash's 10 bomb. And now we got Harbinger. A little bit of a member train going here. Keep it going. I I don't know where I land on this because I really don't know if, if, if PlayStation would want to include this in any of their stuff. And I don't know if Xbox would want to. Or Bethesda. Starfield has this reputation right now. And it's on its way to a coffin. Uh, Suicide Squad might increase its lifespan though. I'm not sure how Kill the Justice League is even remotely related to Starfield. Personally. um, I got gifted a membership. Uh, I appreciate it. I think others would be more deserving. Severin, you're here on a regular basis. What are you talking about? That's why, Severin, by the way, I said that if there's, for people that don't have a membership, like, there's no way people regularly watch the channel and regularly engage with the channel and don't get a membership. Like, it just, it's just unlikely. If you're here on a regular basis engaging, chatting, and talking, you're going to get a membership. Like, we gift so many members. It would be odd for somebody loyal to the channel with lurking and listening and, and engaging that they would not get one. That would be odd. It wouldn't make any sense. <clears throat> Starfield's damaged goods. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. What other game do you know of that's like, we're going to update the game every six weeks? Every six weeks. A non-live service. I'm here, but I kick the hornet's nest from time to time. I don't mind that, though. Listen, the other day I was talking to somebody who's who's very loyal to the channel, and I've, I've known this person for a really long time. And they were like, well, I don't really have anything to say on some of the subjects. Or, you know, if I'm going to say something, it's just going to stir people up. First and foremost, I just like hearing from some of you guys sometimes. It's just nice. Like what Sorcerer just did. You just stop in and say hi. If you're not in, if you don't care about the topic, okay, that doesn't mean I don't want to hear from you. You know, we're a community here. I don't, you don't need to be like, well, I don't have anything to offer. Or if you're like, well, what I have to offer is going to, you know, going to cause debates and discussion. That's what we want. Like, don't sit out because you're like, well, I don't want to quote unquote, kick the hornet's nest. Just kick it and be kind about it. Right. It's okay. You know, that's what I want here. I don't want a bunch of people being like, well, I'm not going to say anything today. No, come on. You know, I think a community thrives on it, on its differences more than it's, it's, it's common ground. Cause the differences make you stronger. Uh, they can update Starfield every six weeks, but that's not going to fix the horrible foundation it's built on. They need to start from scratch to deliver the game. They promised. Here's why I don't agree with you. Mediocre Milton. I think the speed at which they're updating the game is going to be very, very analogous to how quickly Hello Games was able to add things and update things and change things. Right? Why was Hello Games able to do that so fast with No Man's Sky? Why? Because a lot of it was already in the pipeline. A lot of it was already built. A lot of it was already conceived of. Baldur's Gate 3 is updated pretty frequently. Well, there's a great example of a non-live service game that, I mean, look at what they were able to do with early access and community feedback. You, 
you don't you don't think if they update this thing every six weeks put it on a nice redemption arc get this thing primed and ready to go and the and the dlc is like a turnaround moment for the game you don't think that's going to make it a compelling offer to another platform Vengeance says, I sometimes just show up to kick the hornet's nest. For example, Lono, you're a Sony fanboy and your forehead is huge. At least one of those things is true. I do have a large forehead, but... (laughs) I try to be Lono, but even you have mistaken my words before. Uh, I'm trying to work on my phrasing a bit, but I have a very extended vocabulary, but I'm a straightforward guy and I tend to plow to the point. Here's the thing though, Severin. A lot of you guys have earned... I think some goodwill from me, I would consider like you and Erotimus and even someone like Vengeance or Big Mad Mo. I know you're going to come in and probably be on another side of an issue for me, but I know you're not going to come in here and try to be, um, you're not going to try to be like a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're just here to have a conversation. And so it helps me believe the best about what you're saying. I'm like, okay, They truly think this or believe this. Like, they're not just here being bad faith and trying to stir things up. Like, I think one of the reasons people um, don't like the way that I discuss things sometimes is I I feel like I'm pretty good at perceiving bad faith arguments and bad actors, and people don't like that. They're not accustomed to being sniffed out and smoked out. So they'll come in and they'll say something. They'll, They'll, like, kind of passively insult me in the audience. And they think that's like sharing an opinion, right? Like, well, that guy's just an echo chamber. Well, no, there's a difference between voicing your opinion. Erotimus does it on a regular basis. Severin, you do it on a regular basis. You've never, you guys have never been banned, right? And, and here's the thing. I think Erotimus, I don't think we, did we ban you, Erotimus? In any case, Erotimus and I have spoken privately. It's like, I think sometimes there's a difference between like voicing your opinion and just like either stirring the pot or calling a name. And I don't think people can see the difference because they come from circles where it's acceptable to just hurl insults and they think that's voicing an opinion. And it's like, mm, no, it's not. You come in and you're like, you're just simping and port begging pony. And then you get banned. You're like, yep, see? He doesn't like different opinions. He can't take being challenged. That's completely untrue. I, I have heated debates with long-standing members who are highly educated and intelligent, like lawyers. Okay? I, I enjoy being challenged, but that's not the same as being insulted, and people can't slice the, uh, the difference. What was that? Banerotomous? Okay, on it. The problem is, I agree with what you're saying, but just feel it doesn't help the value proposition for the core Xbox player. But I feel, I guess it's not Microsoft's focus. They care about the whole market. Well, think of it from this perspective, MASH. I like my PS5, and I really liked Spider-Man 2. And I really liked God of War Ragnarok. Do you know what I know is likely to happen to those games? They're going to come to Game Pass. They're going to come to Game Pass. Sorry, I read chat. They're going to come to PC. This just in, Sony Pony says, PS5 exclusives are coming to Game Pass. No, I said that wrong. I read chat. 
I really liked Horizon Forbidden West. I really, really like God of War Ragnarok. And I really, really like Spider-Man 2. And I know they're going to come to PC. Okay? So on the flip side, this is why my mind was going to Game Pass. You can enjoy day and date games on Game Pass. You can enjoy first-party Xbox games. You can. And guess what? If they come to another platform, what's the big deal? Like... Does it hurt my experience in Spider-Man 2 knowing that it's headed to PC? Does it hurt my experience in God of War Ragnarok knowing that it's headed to PC? Does it? It doesn't. I don't care. So, game hits Game Pass day and date, and you know, well, this is likely going to go to other platforms later on. Who cares? Now, now, one of the insiders said that this is going to start happening day and date. Like, you'll see a first-party title hit Xbox and PlayStation day and date. You're still getting the advantage of, well, I can play it day and date on Game Pass. You're still getting that advantage. Yeah, and Eronimus, you you never name-called, but there were a couple of days it just felt like you were intentionally making really bad arguments to disrupt. Like, you kind of did it today, and I just kind of said, no, I'm not doing this with you. It's like, we're discussing Starfield potentially coming to another platform and the business aspect of it, and you're like, well, Returnal didn't make as much money as Hi-Fi Rush. And it's like, that kind of stuff sometimes just feels like... like I don't know what your intentions are, but it sounds like... It's like an, an attempt to disrupt the conversation. Um, my wife says, you enjoy being around people that are so much different than you. That's why you married me. That's right. My wife and I are not. We're polar opposites. Ghostface with 17 months in VIP. Men are apt to make the strength of their feelings the strength of their argument. Keep staying calm under the fire, brother. I appreciate it. Crispy Bogot with 28 months in a VIP. When I was a kid with a Sega and my friend had a Nintendo, I never imagined full adults would be fighting online about this years later. Yeah, but talking about it with a friend of mine and, um, you know, we were just talking about how shocking it's sort of been for me to experience what feels like what we see in, you know, political, you know, identity politics and people shredding each other online because of their political views and seeing that in the gaming sphere. And I've continued to tell him and others that I believe it is a bigger problem than just gaming you see this everywhere it's an identity crisis people are too fully integrating with a brand product team worldview whatever and they're so firmly integrated with it that if you criticize it they feel personally attacked it's why i will say things like i've been really disappointed in xbox there a lot of their titles last year didn't turn out that well i'm talking about a brand and people will immediately attack me as a person. They don't see the disconnect. Why? Well, they're, they're self-reporting. They feel personally attacked. Therefore, their personal attack is justified. They're letting they're letting you into their psyche when they do this, by the way. The Xbox is pretty disappointing. I, I really didn't like this game. You're just a pony. You're an idiot. You're a this, you're a that. Okay. I don't know why you feel the need to do that. That's what it is. And he sent me a thread just this morning about 
toxicity within the Star Wars fan base. And it's like, fandom at every level becomes toxic when it's no longer fandom, it's fanaticism. It's it's almost, it's cult-like. It's no longer fandom. You're no longer a fan of the thing. You aren't. I, I, I could have somebody right now say, I mean, think about all the things that happened last year, right? Uh, games that I like being called, you know, one and done trash movie games. And I'm like, I don't know why you're saying that. That's just disingenuous and dishonest. These games are great. I like them. I don't turn around and say, yeah, well, you're just, and just start name calling because I don't care. I've had people bash on Hellblade and like, that's one of my all time favorite games. Senua isn't a member of my family. Hey, she's not a member of my family. You're not spitting in my my sister's face or my aunt's face or my wife's face. It's just a freaking video game, man. I don't care. I'm not going to insult you because you don't like Hellblade or you're critical of Hellblade or something like that. That doesn't make any sense. So. We need to shift gears to the... Uh, hang on. I, I missed Crispy Bogod. No, I didn't miss Crispy Bogod. Thank you, Crispy Bogod. Let me launch the um this we call this gaming ama it's a great way to end the stream and it's a great way for you as a member to get to sample one of your perks so all members right now chat's going to switch to members only chat's going to switch to members only and you can submit any question you want about gaming now we have a section in the discord called ask lono that also can be used during this section or can be used during writer's room. Some of those questions can sometimes turn into videos. And if it does, you will be credited. We said, hey, this question came from Lone Wolf, our, um, excuse me, our Borderlands 4 video. That was a question from, uh, from Lone Wolf. So if you guys want to do that, if you guys want to submit those questions and consider like, you know, think in the back of your mind, like, hey, this might actually be a pretty good video. It might turn into one. Hope you're ready for Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Oh, I'm definitely buying it. I want that, and I also want, um, I also want the uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong game. They look so cool, and I really want the Princess Peach game for my daughter. So, you know, I'm probably gonna end up playing it, but I'll I'll claim it's for her, right? So you guys can use the Q and A at the top of the chat to submit questions. This is a feature that we utilize just for you. Is Starfield the Dallas Cowboys of gaming? Do you think Sony gamers should be released? Uh, Sony games should be released soon, er, if not day one on PC. Um, I, I think in their current strategy, it doesn't make sense to do that. I think long-term, you'll see it more often if there's an online component. We're seeing that with Helldivers 2, are we not? Helldivers 2 is launching on PC and PlayStation 5. Now, I'm seeing people sort of like celebrating this and acting like, haha, look, you know, PlayStation's, you know, putting their exclusives on PC day one. Yes, and what? why is that, why is that a celebration to be like, that's a bad thing? I, you know what I'm saying? I... I don't get that. They told us that years ago. They told us that live service games would be multi-platform at launch, which makes perfectly good business sense because live service games want to have the biggest funnel they can. You know, Helldivers 2 
my opinion. Would be better off if it was also on Xbox. But in their current strategy, it makes more sense to have a game like that be a console exclusive. It also makes more sense for them to not do day and date with a game like God of War Ragnarok. It makes sense to bring them later. Now, that could change with time. That could change with time. Their strategy could change with time. Because they may decide, well, I've... We, we have our console loyal. They're not going to leave because we start doing day and date on PC. They're not going to. We, we have it on pretty good authority that they're going to do this with the release of Spider-Man 3. We have it on pretty good authority that's going to happen with Spider-Man 3. Why? Spider-Man 3 is going to launch with an online component baked in. quite possible that they become so ingrained in the console space they become such a you know successfully saturated console that they don't need to worry about day and date anymore on PC it won't hurt them because if you got a PSVR 2 and a Portal and a PS5 Pro you aren't you aren't going anywhere you're not going anywhere what you're gonna leave? You're gonna go buy a, P- a gaming PC because Spider-Man Three launches on PC day and day? No, you're not. Don't kid yourself. They've got you. They've got your digital library. They've got you with peripherals, and you also have to consider anybody that sees that as like a problem. Well, I'll just buy a PC. Go ahead. Go for it. Do you know anything about PCs? Have you rebuilt a PC? Are you going to try and bargain shop for a PC? If you go pre-baked, if you go if you go pre-made from virtually every computer shop or or Best Buy or Amazon or whatever, you're going to spend way more money. We have this discussion all the time. The general public, John Q. Public, the average gamer, is going to look at a PlayStation console, you know, five or six hundred dollars. And they're going to walk over to the PC section of Best Buy or they're going to scroll over to some PC rigs on Amazon and they're going to say, $1,500? $1,200? No. That's way more expensive. Do you see? Like, I don't think PlayStation's in some dangerous spot if, you know, we get to 2030 and they're launching, you know, some, all, half, a portion of their titles day and date on PC. I don't think at that point they're hurting themselves at all. And I think one of the reasons people are, you know, tracking this on Twitter and turning it into like, you know, notches on a belt, it's because they're still they're still working. They're still working within that framework. Sarah Bond said it herself about the game. And yes, it is exclusive. Yeah. It released exclusive. It announced exclusive. It arrived exclusive. Ghostwire Tokyo was exclusive until it wasn't. Don't people realize that? Ghostwire Tokyo wasn't exclusive. It arrived, it, it, it launched exclusively on PS5. It did. And then it wasn't. 
Uh, next question. PWH Town says, what reviews are you expecting for TLU 2 Remaster? I think the embargo drops tomorrow. I mean... I think there are going to be outlets that... You know, are... I think there are going to be outlets that that go for easy click and essentially say it wasn't necessary, right? They're, they're going to be like, this wasn't necessary, this was stupid, you know. I don't know if they'll go so far to call it a cash grab because it's a $10 upgrade, right? So going to try Fallout 76 this year. I actually kind of want to try it this year. You know, all the good things we're hearing about it. But I think I think that the the Last of Us 2 remaster I think anytime it's the Last of Us 2, there's always going to be just that easy click farm of just going negative because there's so much animosity about the Last of Us Part 2. Um so I, it wouldn't surprise me if it if it if it gets good scores, but also has you know some of that some of that sort of air of criticism and of like, well, why'd they do this? This seems like a waste. You know, they'll gloss over the fact that it's only been how long has it been? Uh let's see. Tlu to release date. It was the middle of the year, wasn't it? June. Okay, so all of 2021, all of 2022, and all of 2023. They'll gloss over the fact that it's only been three and a half years since they released the new title. Like, that's one of the greatest things to ask people that are like, you know, PlayStation ain't got no games. Why is Naughty Dog not making new games? It's been three and a half years. Why don't you go ask every other developer in in existence where their new game is three and a half years after their last one? Are you doing that? Are you going to every major dev and saying that? Did you do that to Rockstar? Have you done that to any of Xbox's developers? Have you said, hey man, close to four years? Yeah, it'll be four years this this June. Do you do that? Because the dialogue about Naughty Dog not releasing anything new started last year. It had been three years since they released a game. And they were getting all this heat about, well, where's your new games? Why don't you have a new game? What are you doing? And it's like, do you do that with every other studio? Because I sure don't. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think I've ever gone to a studio and been like, hey man, it's been almost four years. What are y'all doing? Were you, were you screwing around over there? I, I don't. doesn't make any sense to have that attitude. I want these studios to take five or six years per release. Five or six. 2020 remaster just doesn't make sense to me. The medieval remaster uh, or remake made much more sense than a four-year-old game. Okay, this is not a normal game, though. It's attached to a television show that won a ton of awards. It's attached to a television show that every episode increased the sales of the first game. And... According to the sales reports, PlayStation 5 is getting consumer migration. And what that means is they are setting up a storefront and an ecosystem for a bunch of new customers. 
And what better thing to do with brand new customers than to say, oh yes, that award-winning, really popular TV show? Oh yes, its new season is about the second game? Here you go. We have next-gen level graphics and performance and a new mode and new content for you. Here you go, brand new PlayStation customer. Like, you have to think about it from that viewpoint. This, this is what we always make the mistake of doing. They don't care about us. We are in. We are committed. We buy almost, I mean, I do. As a content creator, I'm buying everything. I don't care about me. I don't care about me. Simple trailer, and I'm buying your game. I'm buying your update. I'm buying your DLC. The general public that is buying a PlayStation 5 and they're new to the PlayStation ecosystem, they're looking at Spider-Man Remaster. There's rumors of a Horizon Zero Dawn Remaster. Last of Us Remake. Free update, 4K checkerboard update to God of War 2018. Director's Cut of Ghost of Tsushima. Director's Cut of Death Stranding. Remaster of The Last of Us 2. What is that? What is all that? That's all their best property, their tentpole property, running at the best possible performance. Don't you think that makes it really, really hard for those people to leave? Like, compare that to FPS boost. What, Which do you think is more compelling to a new customer? Which do you think is more likely to get them to say, I don't know, man, stuff over here is pretty nice. These games are awesome. It's going to be really, really hard for them to, like, walk away and go somewhere else. Because what? what? Where are they going to go? Switch is never going to have that level of performance. Switch 2 might be better, but it's not going to be running games at that level, especially if a PS5 Pro comes out and can push things even farther with ray tracing and some of the stuff that we're hearing. So where are they going to go? It's a director's cut with an extra mode. It's only a $10 upgrade. Saying it's unnecessary is foolish. These are for new customers and people who want to upgrade. Right. And if gaming outlets don't talk about it from that perspective, I don't think they're giving you holistic coverage. If the coverage doesn't consider what this means to brands new consumers, and the you know, there's clear evidence in the sales charts that PlayStation 5 is getting people to buy into the ecosystem for the first time. It's clear as day. A better comparison argument would be backwards compatibility on Xbox. Right, that's what FPS Boost is. FPS Boost is a backwards compatible game that gets a performance boost. Will the Switch 2 be backwards compatible? There was an earnings call where they indicated that they wanted the transition to be smooth for consumers and they would do it at an account level. So yes, I think your games will come with you. To the Switch 2. Guys, in about 10 minutes, we're going to go to an upload about the NDA being lifted on Kill the Justice League. New ring... Uh, I'm trying it out. My wife got me like a pack of rings because I I like I like this style of like soft rings. See them, and so I'm just like rotating through them, like a black with a red stripe, blue, a, a black with a blue stripe, gray, gray. They're just a straight up black one. So yeah, they're really nice. I like them. She got me one a while ago, and it was just a little too. Th- it was like too thick. It was kind of fat, and uh, and then it fell under the couch. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I can't find it. I don't know where it went. And so, she got me a pack of those on Amazon. 
think casuals are just that. They are casuals that might buy a game or two, and that's it per year, maybe. Most game sales don't come from the casual market, though, unless you're COD or Fortnite. Um, yeah, I don't think there's evidence to support what you're saying, though. I think it's true that the average gamer buys one to two games per year. But I also think it's really important to know that there's lots of different people that that choose lots of different game types. So consumer A may come to PlayStation 5 and they just buy Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok. The person next to them comes to PS5 and they all they want is Spider-Man and, I don't know, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Somebody else comes to PS5 and they're like, dude, I want that Last of Us game. Oh my gosh, the show was so good. And they buy one remake, part one remake, and then they buy uh, part two remaster. Do you see? Like, I think that's one of the reasons why people don't quite understand that single player game completion numbers and sales numbers and like all that first party for PlayStation, one of the reasons it's strong is because number one, they're high quality games and number two, that's another reason why PlayStation's not doing this monsoon of first party every year is exactly what you just cited. The average person buys one to two games per year. They don't need to do it. But when they do it, they need it to be excellent. And they also don't need to rely on first party because they can launch a game like Rise of the Ronin or Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and make a ton of money on a game that they didn't they didn't have to own that studio. They just had to pay for the publishing and an exclusivity contract, which is probably a lot cheaper than buying up a dev, buying up a whole dev. So, I, I again, again, I think the 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 general public looks at this stuff and doesn't have any clue what we're talking about. They don't care about any of that. They just see a bunch of great games coming this year. I selling games out there, stuff like COD, Minecraft, Fortnite, Apex Legends, and stuff like that. My logic is that's where most casuals fall in, and they may buy maybe one or two games a year. Yep. Nothing you're saying is refuting what I'm saying. What you're saying is exactly why you will not see a big first-party focus from PlayStation every year. They're not going to draw your attention to it. They're not going to say the words first-party. They're not. They might say exclusive, for games like Rise of the Ronin and, and, and Rebirth and Foam Stars and stuff. They might say console exclusive for games like Helldivers 2. Why? They don't need all those people. They just need all those people to be spending money in COD, spending money in Fortnite and Apex, and buying one or two games a year. That's all they need from them. That's it. That's why you're not going to see that big focus from them on that. How much will the Switch 2 cost? I'm thinking the Switch 2 will probably have two, two, two price points. I'm thinking, you know, two to three hundred dollars for the LCD version, and then probably like four hundred for the OLED because I think they're going to do a two tier. Stonespire says concerning Xbox games coming to PlayStation, do you think we will see other huge uh, properties, Halo and Gears? I mean, we're hearing Gears Collection could be coming, so I think it becomes crystal clear. I think it, be- it becomes crystal clear that Xbox has no interest in keeping things siloed up once you start bringing property like that. I think the minute you bring something like Starfield, I, I honestly think the minute you bring something like Hi-Fi Rush, that's that's the starter pistol. Because 
I didn't say this enough during the show, but I probably should have said this a little bit more. People acting like Hi-Fi Rush is some small title that doesn't matter, and they're like, it's just going to be small titles like that. It's not going to be big titles. It's not going to be big titles like Starfield. You don't understand. Hi-Fi Rush was like the center stage bell of the ball for Xbox Developer Direct last year. That game coming to PlayStation is not some small, insignificant thing. The game, yes, is a smaller piece of property, but taking a game that was the center stage, bell of the ball, shadow drop at an Xbox event, and then saying, oh yeah, that game's on PlayStation now, acting like that's just some small, not a big deal thing, I think people, I hate the word, but I think people are coping. It's like, no, this is a big deal. This isn't some small, insignificant thing. It isn't. Yes, it's smaller than Starfield, but buddy, that's a starter pistol if I've ever seen one. That, that's, a, that's not some, it's not insignificant. It really isn't. I don't think it is. Because look at the initial reaction. The initial reaction was fury, anger, righteous indignation people were ticked They're like are you kidding me hi-fi rush and then obviously we all had a good laugh and a good chuckle when we looked at the engagement numbers and we're like you guys aren't even playing it what are you mad about what are you mad about you know they have every right to sell it to other platforms you guys didn't freaking play the game it, it, it's engagement numbers are bad they're low and that's that's inexcusable for a game that good that's a great game so sell it elsewhere right sell it elsewhere let's make some money on this people like this game especially if you can get the stinking thing to run on a switch I continue to say that game would crush on the switch it would absolutely crush So of course people were angry right away. They knew what this meant. They knew it was a big deal. Now they're trying to play it down. And they're like, yeah, it's just going to be small titles. As I said earlier in the show, think like a businessman. If you're willing to take property to other platforms to make money, as the CFO said, high margin markets, are you only going to do that with your smaller titles? That doesn't make any sense at all. Imagine being an investor walking out of that CFO meeting. They're gonna, they got a lot of property. They're going to start putting their property on the competitor side to make more money. These are high margin markets. And then you hear headlines or pushback from Xbox PR that like, well, we're only going to do it with smaller titles. What do you think that communicates to investors? What do you think that communicates to shareholders? Wait, I thought you were going to start taking your property into high margin markets and now you're out here placating to like Xbox podcasts, pundits and outlets and like, no, just the smaller titles. What do you think that says to the money men? What do you think that says to investors? They matter a whole lot more than you. They matter a whole lot more than me. We don't, we don't factor in. We don't. You're talking to people with money when you're talking to people with money that might invest in a company the size of microsoft 
you are talking to people who move mountains and they are not going to be like oh yeah that's great we all kind of got got convinced by the cfo's commentary about bringing first party property to other platforms oh man but now they're out here you know calming the public down and they're like it's only going to be small titles does that sound good to an investor does that sound like a good idea I don't think so. That sounds like a walk back. You're out here telling us you're going to start moving all your property over there, making a good good amount of money. You're going to go into these high margin markets. And now you're like, everybody calm down. It's only going to be small titles. Get out of here. That doesn't make any sense. A PR person said it's only going to be smaller titles. <laughs> Doubt. I doubt they said that. You think a PR person was allowed to say that on the record? You think so? And you got you got investors being told otherwise by the CFO? You're dreaming if you think that. Now, I'm going to spam a link in chat. We're going to head over to this Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. The NDA got lifted. Doesn't seem to have made a change, but I've got theories about the ongoing content. Let's head over there. Smash a like when you get over there. Hit the like button on this video before leaving. I'm going to save your questions. If you're a member and you submitted questions, this is a great reason to be at the $6 tier. I'll go through the rest of these questions during the writer's room whenever we get over there. So that's a great reason to consider upgrading. You will get your question answered, but I ran out of time. We're going to have to go over there. So click the link in chat, ride the redirect, and I'll see you guys over there for this video about the Justice League. League NDA being lifted.